like to welcome you out to another episode of the Lodestone Training and Consulting Podcast. I'm Jared Ross, and joining me today is Flynn and Officer 29. All right. Glad you guys are here. So we're getting pretty excited for the upcoming <clears throat> Light Fighter Challenge. Cannot wait for that to happen on October 9th. I think we are down to two more openings, and then the thing's going to be filled. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be an opportunity for those individuals who are participating to put themselves to the test. And uh, can't wait. Cannot wait for that. that that's going to be a fun time. You guys are going to be there, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I'll be there. Cool. All right. So as we have teased and promised a little bit, and we, we knew we were going to be doing another question and answer uh, podcast, we've been getting a lot of different questions. So with that, Flynn, why don't you go ahead and read us the first one? All right, so apparently there's been a lot of requests for me to do more talking. Yes, yes, yeah. there has been. Yeah, it just must be something about my voice. <laughs> so uh, starting off first, one of the questions submitted was how to navigate bad leadership. That's a great question. Yeah, it's tough. It really depends what kind of – I mean, at some level, you can only do what you can do. Yeah, yeah, it, it, exactly. And, and is it really bad leadership? Yeah. Or is it just – they're not a leader and they're just a poor manager. I, I would say the problem is, especially in, in policing, a lot of times you don't have a leader. You, you end up having a manager, yeah. which is what they're being told they should be. So um, the guy submitted the question was police. I'd say it depends on what you're doing. But a lot of times uh, you're in a bureaucracy. So use the bureaucracy's own weapons against it. Document, document, document. If you're having trouble getting a concept pushed through, Put it on paper, send it up the chain of command. If there's one thing bureaucrats are afraid of, it's it's something being written down. Yeah. That's some good advice. And eventually up the chain of command, hopefully there's someone there that has half a brain that <clears> reads <throat> this and realizes that maybe that is a way they could do things. So yeah. it's about getting it to the right person. Eventually it will get there. It seems that just especially with policing, it's gonna take a long time. And unfortunately, the answer that I hate to give because I myself will not do it, but is take the test get promoted become the leader you want to be yeah that's the, in the environment that we live in and in, in that that environment there's just you're just limited by that that's i again i'm not law enforcement but just one of the things that that i've seen i'm working with law enforcement and, and teaching uh different law enforcement it seems like the larger the uh the institution the larger the agency or department and so many hoops you need to jump through, uh, you know, that sucks. But uh, I think you have more maneuverability, more, more wiggle yeah. room compared to a small department or a small agency that, you know, those politics, they play so much and a, a no is a no is a no. And, and until somebody dies or until somebody, you know, finally retires, that answer is not going to change. That's been my experience is getting change at my agency because it is a larger agency. Mm -hmm. It's uh the agency is the big enduring thing. So even these high-level commanders feel like a small fish in a big, mm -hmm. or a small cog in a big machine. So they're like, well, okay. The guy made a good argument, or, well, if I say no, I'm going to get burned. Yeah. So, so, yeah. So that's, I think, all we can all we can do. Any, uh, I wish we could, you know, give better advice. Wish we could say, hey. Yeah. He, it's he, tough without knowing the exact particulars yeah. of, of what you're dealing with. Exactly. It's, it's tough. And, and I hate to say it. Not in this guy's case who I'm talking to, because I, I think he's a pretty square to do, but sometimes uh, it, we always talk about bad superiors, but we don't talk about bad subordinates. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes the supervisors are on the right. I hope no one in my chain of command ever listens to this podcast. <laughs> I never admit that. <laughs> 
Uh-huh. All right. So uh, <laughs> I have one here about uh, Instagram's role, but we'll say Instagram will say all social media's role in uh, defining, guiding culture and responsibilities of uh, so-called influencers. Officer 29, you're... I mean, I consider you an influencer. What uh, what do you have to say about that? <laughs> My girlfriend would say the same thing when she's giving me a hard time. You're an influencer. Um, that's the last thing I ever want to be. Uh, right now, it seems like anybody on social media can be whatever they want to be and pretend to be that person. It just magically comes true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'll tell you why I got on social media was, was partly to... to get access to and share information at the time mm-hmm. some of the equipment that we were just starting to get uh, the only way to see or read anything about it was either have access to certain units or buy it yourself so i thought hey i can put some information out there maybe save some guys some trouble and learn something myself and some of the contacts i've made and friends yeah. quite frankly that i've made through social media have been have been incredible i mean it's you you ignore social media and, and the role it plays at your peril but at the same time uh, to a certain extent, it's it's all monopoly money. Like, the, yeah, like there's yeah. a lot of people who are just, it, it, it's it really not is. real. It's not real. Yeah. So it, it find good people, exchange information with them, and, and understand that's, uh, you know, it doesn't always reflect reality. And also if somebody's pushing something where they have a coupon code, they have a they have a vested financial interest. doesn't make it bad. Yes. It just means that you should know they have a financial interest. And the better influencers, guys like uh, Grantham and, and, and Lucas Botkin, they are disclosing their financial relationships with companies. Right. It's the correct term is shilling. That's like the internet yeah. word of you're mm-hmm. shilling out. Yeah. Like a perfect example of this would be the Mod Light Pistol Light came out a little over a month ago. And immediately as soon as it dropped out, the next day, there's reviews on YouTube about this light and how great it is and how guys need to go run out and buy it. And it's like, well, wait a minute. So if you were on the inside of the circle, maybe you've had it for a few weeks, how are you able to validate this light in a few weeks and maybe a thousand or two rounds to say, yep, it's good to go for due to use. Run out and buy it. It's like, well, wait a minute, you know? Now, can can I mention that I've had one before <laughs> before other people had one? Thanks thanks you, to you. You may have got yours a few days early. I may have got well, mine a few days early. What was that about influencers again? Yeah, right. <laughs> I was being influenced by the influencer. Yeah, that's yeah, right. It's, it's right. not my fault. Don't blame me. <clears throat> well, since I'm the primary guy who runs the, the social media yeah. f- for, uh, for LTAC, one of the things I do with with our pictures and stuff that we put out there, it's it's real. And yep. what what I mean by, yeah. by real is it's actually at a class catching something good, or you know somebody make a mistake, and that, yeah. that's why you go to training. Uh, it's not doctored, it's not airbrushed, it's not a, a photo op. Yeah. It's, it's it's none of that stuff. And so far, one thing that uh, we've never done either is is buy uh, likes or, or things like that. And that's yeah. And I I know. Every business out there has social media. Either they're buying likes, and if they're not, um, and most most aren't, as far as I understand or know. But I know they're getting bombarded, just like I am, just like we are, you know, to, for that. Which is something you know that I'm just not going to do. But I've I've seen playing the social media game that it really is so much fluff. It is so much monopoly money. There are people out there who, I mean, they get hundreds, thousands of likes for for certain things. Uh, in the whatever in the community in, in the in the mm-hmm. uh, firearms industry, um, but then when it comes down to what are they making sales or are they getting people showing up to the classes? Yeah, some are, some aren't. I, I know ours with our presence, we've been doing very good. We, yeah, and I don't think like the number of likes really reflects the return and what we're getting mm-hmm. as far as people signing up for classes. Um, 
so I think the lesson there is to social media should be on it. Yes. You should be engaged on it. But at the same time, don't try to alter who you are either as a person or as a company to, to fit some image because ultimately it's uh, all kind of fake. I really found that out at, I was at the uh, NRA convention with um, my good friend, Josh, Josh Rono, who, <laughs> <laughs> who actually we, we connected over, over social media, met up at SHOT Show, which again, it's great for networking, but he and I were at a uh, industry event at the NRA convention yeah. and uh, meeting some uh, people who would definitely be considered influencers. And it's like, they were like, oh, oh, you're, you're a cop. I'm like, yeah, like, oh, what, what else do you do? I'm like, no, no, that's my full-time job. Like, that's all I do. Yeah. And a lot of people who are on social media, it's like they have the trappings of this image, but it's all. And, yeah. and I can also tell you, too, everybody knows who they are. If you look at some people, they're only in the gun industry for the attention. And if this tomorrow was to dry up and, hey, no Second Amendment, they, they'd be on to the next thing. Yeah. So so there are good people out there. And, you know, but just be be careful like everything else. Be careful who you follow and who you listen to. Yeah. I think that's well said. Yeah. Flynn, I've heard you use a phrase before, like keeping up with the Joneses. It's yeah. like you have the hottest product or piece of gear this week, but by next week it's old news. Yep. So just be careful of the guys with constantly the newest, latest and greatest saying how great it is and then chasing the next thing. Yep. I mean, like if you've got, let's say, whatever weapon light, and then the two weeks later it comes out, you know, 1,200 looms over 1,000. Like, dude, do you really need to, like, right. affect your credit rating to, to have 200 more lumens, you know? You shrug, but... but no, I know. I know <laughs> yeah, no. no, at the same time, though, if you burn armed with your, your, you know, your X300 from... 2011 with 300 lumens and hey you know all right got some extra money yeah I mean, I wanna, hey, there's better stuff out there but at the same time like don't feel don't i'm worried about the industry becoming like apple like oh yes. the next thing's out like planned obsolescence things like that so just get what you have and what's the most important thing train 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 yeah go out and train it, use your it, stuff it's yeah the individual over the equipment absolutely all day long well, another thing, too, with social media, um, what are the two biggest ones that, that people are still on? Instagram, Facebook, yeah. right? So that's controlled. And, yes. and And you have to, in order to be seen, in order to, to yes. put stuff out there, you have to stay with whatever boundaries. Yep. And those boundaries are continuing to shift and continuing to uh, yep. isolate, mm -hmm. you know, so that that's another yeah. big problem with that and again that's one of the reasons why i opted to to do this podcast yeah and just another form so we could put out and have a little bit more control with the content and things that we we talk about and that we want to do yeah okay anything more on that or shall we move on okay um lpvo which is a low power variable optic for those of you who don't know that abbreviation versus red dot and magnifier so LPVOs, we're talking things like one to fours, one to eights. I think we're even getting into one to tens now. Vortex, yep. Yep, like a true traditional scope versus a red dot, like a like an aim point or a. Is, is there another red dot? I think there's something called an EATEC. Yeah, it's <laughs> really good battery life. <laughs> it is certainly acceptable. Yeah. So um, and, and a magnifier. Uh, what are you using on on your rifle right now? Um, so I'll preference this by saying before we go down in the weeds here uh, i'm an eotech and aimpoint dealer however for my work patrol rifle i'm running an eotech <clears throat> because the engagements i see myself getting in are probably 30 yards and in if not 20 yards and in 
in the feature built into the EOTech that I don't think most people even know is using the circle mm-hmm. that surrounds the center dot as your holdover. Like it's a constant reminder for where your holdover needs to be. One of the things, and again, everybody knows I'm an Aimpoint fan. One of the things that I really do like about, you haven't seen my hat? Oh, well, I, I think everyone has seen that. Hat. That's what I looked for. Yeah, oh, the hat's yeah. not on. Yeah, yeah. Are, you, it's, are you getting it's, paid it's within, at this moment? Or? It's within arm's reach. It's within arm's reach. <laughs> but uh, one of the things I really do like about the EOTech is the reticle because it does provide a lot of additional reference points, which can be helpful. Uh, you know, again, like uh, to me, there's only two red dots: duty grade red dots. It's it's aim point and and EOTech. You know, I, I like to joke about the EOTech thing, but again. They're the two most proven red dot systems in the world. That, totally that, that That's it. In my agency, that's all the choices you have. Yeah. So you can't even drift yeah. off from those if you wanted to. Pretty much the same here. You have any LPVO experience? Minimal. Okay. I had a Night Force. I'm not sure how from A-Tacker. Is that A-Tacker, yeah. 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 It was a one to eight. Mm. We had one for T&E. It was a beefy scope. Little too much for me, going to be honest. Little too heavy. I did not like. I'm going to blame the mount more than the optic. What the, mount were you using? It was a guys, I believe, it was a 193, and it was They're too beefy. low. I huh. The, okay. The, I couldn't access the charging handle easily. Okay. Uh, hmm. Especially for any night vision work. I mean, that throw throw that out the window. Yeah. You're not going to be able to do anything with that. I've I've never actually had much luck with passive uh, aiming. Passive aiming meaning uh, you're using your night vision to look through the the tube, which is why. Uh, Officer 29 is mentioning the, the higher amount of a 1.93. I haven't had a whole lot of luck with that, with LPVO, simply because of how many lenses the light has to pass through. So I've, I've never had... I know you, it can be done, but it's, it's, I've never had a whole you lot of luck. You could run the yes, offset. It, it, yeah. But, oh, right, yeah. But uh, it, it can be done, and yeah, yeah. It just, it's like anything that's a little specialized yeah. or, or maybe like, I don't know, a little yeah. bit more difficult than other things. Right. Put in the time, and then it, it works itself out. But I've taken CQB classes like with guys that have LPVOs, mm-hmm. and you would have thought they had a red dot. I mean, just I mean, props to them. But for me, no. It, I think if, as with everything, if you're willing to put the time in, <clears throat> you're you're, you're going to make it work. We've had guys at class with irons. Actually, we had a guy, one yeah. of our top shooters. He had his patrol rifle, and his patrol rifle was irons only. Yep. And he shot a little bit slower. But, but he was as good as he could be with irons, and he beat quite a few guys with red yeah. dots. So I think it's absolutely what you want to put the time Indian, in Indian, not on. the arrow type of thing. I, I, yeah. But Although at some point. Nice arrows help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Jerry, do you have any thoughts on LPVO versus red dot magnifier? It, they're tools. Yeah. So I have uh, I have a couple of rifles. Mm-hmm. Well, let me rephrase. I got yeah. a couple. Well, I, I have a pistol that, uh, an AR pistol that, you know, I, I've got a red dot on. Yeah. Um, and then I've got some rifles with some red dots, yeah. but then also some, you know, with mm-hmm. with, with those scopes. And it, it's really a tool. So yeah. if I have any prior knowledge or, or thought I'm going to be doing something 300, 350 meters and less, yeah. I'm going to go to that red dot. I'm definitely going to go that over, you know, over yeah. the scope. But if I know I'm going to do something that has the potential to reach out further, yeah, I'll grab that thing because yeah. I'm getting old. Yep. And, and again, yeah, with a little practice. <laughs> You, you can you use that thing in a yes. CQB environment. You just got to put in the time. Right. Yep. But I've then, seen it done. I mean, it's yeah. But then you have that option that hey, I, I need to focus yeah. in or I need a you know, long yeah. range. Yeah, they can just spin that thing. Yeah. And and for me, running it, I don't care if it's like a, a like one in six or, yeah. or or something greater. I'm an all or nothing guy. Yeah. So it's either you know 
at that same focal yeah. plane, or then it's it's all the way cranked to whatever the maximum it, you know that thing yeah. is. I've never like oh here here's a sweet spot for this. So, so it's actually funny you mentioned that because I thought the same thing, and I got so at the time I was running an aim point T one. We okay. had no magnifiers. I was like okay. We're doing enough daylight stuff. We're starting to loosen up our restrictions. I really want to get some sort of magnification. And I looked around, looked around, looked around, and I came to the conclusion of the same thing. I'm either all or nothing. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like the form factor of a magnifier hanging off my gun, so I chose the, the Alcan Spectre DR. Yeah, yeah. And I said, that's you, a... You just you had it for a while, but you just recently took it yes, off. Yes, I recently just took okay. it off. Um, and there was a variety of reasons for that. And one was <clears throat> the weight. The weight killed me. I mean, I'm running this thing primarily 1X. Uh, you've seen the places that I, I primarily mm-hmm. that we work in, and most of our stuff is hitting small, little, little project departments, things like that. And I'm carrying around a heavy optic to rarely, if ever, use four yeah. X, unless yeah. I'm on perimeter, which, which you know, that's uh, that would be a thing. But so I just started thinking more and more, and I was like, all right, I'm I'm going to go back to a red dot. And uh, my team, we run a mix of, of Aimpoint T2s with magnifiers and uh, EOTex with magnifiers again because we believe in op- optic preference for the for the individual. I almost said uh, the O word, operator. Yeah, and we are not operators. No, we we are not. We are not operators. We're not operators operating um, operationally. So yeah, so one of the things I did do though is I switched to a higher rise mount because we do use our gas masks yes. a fair bit, which also helps if you want to do passive engagement with night vision. Which, if you twist my arm, I will admit the EOTech is much better at passive night vision engagements, just because of the thinness of the glass and that that so laser. EOTech owns the night. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's easy, easy, uh-huh, easy, uh-huh. easy, easy. You can use. You see, it's head over there. It's starting to smoke or something. <laughs> you can absolutely use aim points for passive engagement, but there's no denying the, the EOTech yeah. is. I, I've just never seen a night vision button on an aim point. Uh, you just dial it down. Uh, right. Uh, I've also never seen any point with a dead battery. Uh. Yeah. So. <laughs> all right. So all right. Let's let's not get too heated here. Uh-huh. Um, oh, I, I can you know throw throw something in there that's even worse. So you know what I just bought? What's that? I just bought an old school uh, Trigicon reflex sight. Nice. Yes. Nice. Like, tiny, tiny little dot. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I had a student. Um, we're doing some force on force mm. at night. Uh, yeah, last night I guess yeah. it was. And uh, he, he had. I don't know what kind of a scope it was, but you know, yeah. so, and he just couldn't get any, any kind of cheek wheeled. So I said, here, yeah. take my gun, use this thing. And he's looking like, what is this? Yeah, he had no clue. Stuff. Arms no levers. Clue. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. no clue. Yeah. But you know, when we get EMP'd, that thing's still going to rock. That's, that's right. So, so I'm glad you actually brought that up. That was one of the other things too. At last year's Safawik. Yeah. Working a barricade with the Elkan, uh, Ibox issues, trying to run barricade drills with, with, uh, LPVOs really kind of mm-hmm. started to challenge me and just, I gave it uh, four years, and between you can't high rise mount for a gas mask, and I spent a lot of time on a gas mask. Uh, the complete inability to do passive engagement with night vision. Yeah. Uh, barricade work, and just generally the weight. I, I kind of decided, hey, I'm, I'm going back to a red dot. So I'm currently using a T2, uh, one point lower third scalar works mount on a uh, on a Wilcox riser that I got from uh, our, our industry friends at, at Night Vision Devices. Hmm. And that with the magnifier mount. So the reason I love the Wilcox mount is because you can pop that magnifier right off. So I'm not, I don't have to pay the weight penalty yeah. of having a magnified optic. But if I need, I can pop it yeah. right on there on that little, uh, that horseshoe that they have. That's that's pretty slick. It is. It's, it's very slick. And you still have the fold the side option if you need to quickly, quickly that's, do that's that. That's the so. same dovetail as like a 31, correct? It's the same. I think it's larger, okay. but, but it's oh, the sorry. same design. Yeah, same design. It looks the same, but it's, yeah, yeah. it's different. But it's, it's, that's a very unique, elegant solution. However... 
uh, like we say, Will Cox will cost. Yeah. So, but if, if you want <laughs> yes. it, 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 but the performance is there. So, so yeah, that's that's my thing. Is I'm, I think LBOs have a place, and if you want it, go for it. But for me, I just I'm I'm back on the red dot and magnify thing for my day to day work. Yeah. So you, you guys are more hip. You, you youngsters, you're more you, yeah. you're more hip than I am. Well, I like to think I bridge the gap between yeah. the, the like we're talking about the U.S. Cav catalog with yes. the Becker Patrol pack. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So I, I had a Becker, still do, still, still have that Becker. Still jealous. Um, where's it going? Oh yeah. Um, so, how long has this been like a trend or a fad to get those get that ri- that raised? Uh... So I'm glad you brought that up because we were talking about this actually actually over dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one of the things again, everybody knows history guy. Uh, you got to know where you came from to know where you're going. Yeah. And I remember being a college kid and the Italian job, not the movie, not the movie with Mark Wahlberg, definitely not that one, <laughs> and definitely not the original, but the Italian job, which was a hostage rescue by a U.S. Army uh, Special Missions Unit, got leaked on the internet. And I remember watching It's on YouTube. You can Google it, the Italian job. And I remember watching it and... Uh, these guys are running around with EOTex on, on carry handle mounts. Yeah. And I was a broke college kid, so I spent a lot of time reading AR15.com and other gun forums, and guys were ripping them apart. Like, who are these guys? Don't they realize, you know, you got to have chin weld. What is that cheek weld? And, and again, I didn't know much, and I knew that you were supposed to have, like, an absolute or lower thirds co-witness. But I was also kind of, I want to say humble enough, but to say, hey, these guys, guys are supposed to be the best in the world i'm sure there's a reason for it yeah and i didn't really realize it until you and i were talking about some of your early experiences in special forces yeah so uh i had been a certified green beret for i don't know 16 18 months and i was just starting to get a little cocky and uh one of my mentors and 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 chris's mentors uh that we both knew when we were in in the 82nd in in uh, fayetteville and he actually was uh, an instructor for for one of the courses there. And then he went, he started in fifth group. He went back to fifth group. And then so Chris went to fifth, and heck yeah, I was going to fifth. So I went there anyways. Um, and this guy, he was with A15, uh, which is fifth group's direct action company. Uh, and he had been there from the beginning. The guy has he's a killing machine, and he has been on so many hits and more than. <laughs> More than I'll ever know. Anyways, so this guy that I really looked up to has been a big influence. Um, I'm taking Cephalic for the first time there at Fifth Group, and he was the NCIC of, of, of that at the time. So he comes walking in, and I've known him for, for years, and I finally, like, you know, first time I ever, like, got cocky with him, and I'm like, Mike, <laughs> you know, the 90s are calling your rifle because he walked in, and he had his M4, but then he had a carry handle on. He had his EOTech on top of that. And I just, to me, and this was probably 2009, I'm like, that looks like the most ridiculous thing in the mm-hmm. world. What are you yeah. doing? And then he looked at me serious, and, and then, you know, in his humble way that he would talk, and it was like one of the most uh, worst, I don't know, talking twos or talking downs yeah. I've ever received. Yeah. And he didn't, you know, just, all it was just looking at him, he's like, Jared, I have it on there, so when I use my Pro Mask, it's the same. When I use yeah. my night vision, it's the same. Yeah. So when I shoot with just my eyes, it's the same. Yeah. Everything's the same. And yeah, so that's that's been going around for, I mean, that was 2009, maybe even earlier. Yeah, and I think when, when I, I had this conversation, like 2014. Yeah, yeah. Because I was, as a 
police officer complained like hey what do you recommend for gas mask shooting you're like funny you mentioned i was like huh i was like oh that makes sense yeah. and i brought back to that video and what's funny is uh jason follow was one of the first guys to commercialize through night with knights the high-rise uh -huh. mounts and yeah. again being australian sas now that domestic counterterrorism role they do the same thing with gas masks yep yep but now we're seeing everybody on social media uh -huh. hop on the high-rise mount trend and it's not a bad thing but but are, are they doing is, it for a specific yes. purpose or is it just that's the trendy thing to do if, now if, if, if i cool unless you have yeah, a, yeah. well uh, my thing is un, un, unless you have a need because again all mechanical offset is repeatable yes so if you've got a one inch offset you can train for it if you've got a six inch offset you yes. can train for yes. it but i personally would like to not introduce any more mechanical offset than i need to in my gun so if i don't have a pro mask mission or passive engagement with night vision mission, mm -hmm. I probably wouldn't get a high-rise mount. Yep. So that's that, yeah. So, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. I think kind of the environment I'm in and the guys I'm around already have somewhat of a difficult time already understanding offsets and holdovers, and introducing almost a two-and-a-half-inch riser is detrimental to them because then they have to retrain all their holdovers for this new riser that – they really don't need per se but here's probably some of the feedback you'll receive is that it puts the optic level with your eye so that you don't yes. have to cheek weld so hard on that rifle mm -hmm. that is a benefit no no denying that yeah well sorry you, you finished what you're saying no, 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 I'm, i was so even even with the cheek weld now maybe i'll take some heat for this but honestly i could care less if I'm dealing with threats that are 300 meters and less, I could care less at all. Now, beyond that, yes, get the cheek weld. That's a whole different type of shooting, and right. you need to take more time, a lot more accuracy, and other things you need to consider. But 300 and less, I'm not at all concerned. What I'm more concerned with is getting that buttstock down so that line with the bolt, bolt carrier buffer and the buffer tube and the buffer spring is all, all has mass behind it. Mm -hmm. The more mass you have behind it, so it's a little bit lower. And again, I'm blowing off that cheek weld. The less that gun's going to recoil. Yeah. When you bring it up, so just a little little edge of that buttstock is is hitting you, and you have no mass behind that. The gun's going to recoil more. Yeah. And just the other, again, like I said, I'm running with my setup. It's a 1.98 is what it ends up being. So which is a little bit more than 1.93, a little less than the 2.04s, or I think the, the 2.24s. I think their 2.26 is like the hotness unity yeah. riser, which is, that's a tall boy. And yeah. again, it's, yeah. it's good if that's what it is there right. for. But one of the complaints, one of my, my teammates, one of my very good friends, uh, yeah, he um he had his, <laughs> his NX-8 in a, in a 2.04 mount, and that's fine. But then the problem is, like we talk about shifting things and forgetting where we came from, that's fine if you're standing the whole mm -hmm. time. And then he and I were actually uh, in a surprisingly wooded area of where, the area where we were uh, uh, doing overwatch for uh, for an incident. And uh, <laughs> between his helmet and being in the prone. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. I was like, yeah, how's, how's that working out yeah, for how you? How cool are you now? Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, the, the worst part was just not was the, the, the snickering that he had to endure from me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. So, um that's my thing is again with all these tools there's a role for everything but is the role for you and that's i think the thing to say is is, is they say don't keep up the joneses is this the right thing for me yeah so that's all no, nothing's right or wrong just just is it right for you yeah so absolutely okay uh i think we're good with with that whole thing um oh real quick one last thing with magnifiers if you were running a red dot i think you should have a magnifier be you armed citizen military police 
because it's not necessarily about extending your range. I mean, I've shot uh, PID. I, I've shot my, my, my original 10.3 inch gun with the T1 with zero magnification at the 300 yards, no problem. Yeah. However, I couldn't have told you if that person had a gun. Th- this was on a training environment, not, you know. Yeah. Where, yeah. Where I just yeah, want to yeah. make clarify for any lawyers listening. <laughs> so it's the same thing here, uh, especially for police and any administrators listening to this. Can your officers, at what distance can they identify a gun? Daylight, low light. It might be at 37.8 yards. It's not to make them into snipers. It's so they can say 100%, yes, this suspect has a gun and poses a threat to the public at large. That's what it's there for. And that determines their next move. Yes, so that determines the next move, right. right. So I, I think if you've got a red dot, more power to you, but you should have some sort of magnifier just for that PID. And what we mean by PID is? Positively identify. Positive identify, yeah. yeah, positive identification. So you can say, yep, that guy's a threat, or hey, no, that's my friend, you know. So uh, moving on. Proper use of a ballistic shield in woodland operations. This is an excellent question. So if you have some sort of woodland operation uh, as law enforcement and you have your ballistic shield, the best course of action with that shield in a woodland environment is to leave it on the truck and not take it out in the woods. But. But, yeah, exactly. Uh, So, again, uh, Officer 29, you have any thoughts on that? No experience with shield work, but if I ever go into the woods, I'll be sure to take the shield with yeah, me. Yeah, do not do that. <laughs> do not do that, or I will find you to laugh at you. Um, what? Almost lost my mic there. Okay. Um, Who's getting drunk now? Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, ballistic shields are an important part of law enforcement. They have a place, they are a tool, they are not a tactic. Um, they really lend themselves to linear threat areas, hallways going up stairwells, things like that, especially for police who are in a more defensive posture. Uh, Without giving anything away, there are also certain elements of the armed forces who do make limited use of ballistic shields in certain things. So there is a role for that, but it's a very niche role for them because the mobility stuff. Mm -hmm. For police, you have no excuse not to use a shield. That's my opinion. You're walking, what, a block, two blocks? Bring the thing with you to a house. But if you're in the woods, don't bring it. It doesn't lend itself. There's too many angles. It works in a hallway because there's nowhere to go. Yeah. So all to say, don't bring a shield in the woods, but bring it into into a house because we've seen some issues with shields before. Also, they don't make you invincible. No. They don't make you invincible. As much as I'm a proponent of them, the, the real issue I have with them is they make people do unsafe things. And well, uh, it's a tool, like you it's said. A tool. It's, it's a tool, not, not a tactic. tactic. It is not a yeah. tactic. So, again, we talk about principles versus tactics all the time. The principle of CQB is what? Be safe. Sometimes that involves a shield. Sometimes that doesn't involve a shield. Well, you sent me that video a while back of the essentially point man, the shield guy, essentially taking control in that doorway. Yes. And something, um, I don't know if you saw the video or not, Jared. It was a while ago. Yeah. But that whole scenario is just off the rails. Yeah. Yeah. So... Okay, that's enough about uh, those things. If you could shoot any gun, and why? So as I am the moderator currently controlling this podcast, we're going to start with uh, handguns. If you could shoot any handgun, and why? Wow. You're looking at me. I don't know. I've shot so many. Um, It could be one you have shot. It's just like, what's your most unique? I don't know. This was so cool, fulfilling. Han Solo's... uh, the C96. His blaster yeah. comes to mind. Yeah. Okay, let's limit it to real guns, or else we'll be looking for the... Um, uh, okay, one that I've always wanted to shoot and I would like to own, I just never uh, made the purchase, and I've never shot, 
is I would like to shoot an old school black powder uh, pepper gun. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. If you're not if you're not familiar with what I'm talking about, it was really before the the revolvers, so it would be depending on the model, something like five six barrels, and then each one would be black powder loaded, and then ball and cap. Mm-hmm. So you would pull back the the hammer, shoot one barrel go off, then you would with your hand rotate it so the next barrel's in line, and that's just you know. That's kind of cool. That le- very limited when when they really produced, but that that gap between a straight off you know single shot right. to two actual revolvers later yeah. on. Yeah. So my handgun of choice would be. So growing up, I was very influenced by video games. I was definitely no. my yes. Yeah. You don't say. My yeah. dad was kind of into video games. That was passed down to me. <laughs> something we did together. And um, the first like shooter video game that was like the cover of it just made me want to play it was rainbow six yep it was yeah. a super cool guy <laughs> okay okay, and, okay. Who, who's the old guy right and he's thinking he's gonna say doom he's gonna yeah, say yeah, doom yeah. and then rainbow six oh okay maybe doom was yeah. what two decades before but okay go ahead <laughs> so on the cover of rainbow six i don't remember which one it was but it was one of the early ones it was hk mark 23 or usb no, that was a usb it was a usb, it was USB. yeah and just the whole for, like the way it was angled in the picture I was like that pistol, and, and that guy is so. And it cool. was the the balaclava with the bole goggles <laughs> that really sold it. Yes, right. yeah. Like every year for Halloween, I was that SWAT guy. Yeah, like that was yeah. my goal to replicate that outfit every year with the goggles and everything. Yeah, still haven't managed to shoot one. But texting you, what is it like last week? Yeah, some there was a YouTube video on the you at Mark twenty three. And we're texting going back and forth. Oh, I found one on Gunbroker. It's a lot of money. Do we need this? No. Yeah. Do we want this? Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and the one I sent you even like a week prior to that, I think, had the night suppressor on oh, it. Oh, yeah. And the LAM, the laser yeah. aiming module. That's long yeah. gone off Gunbroker yeah. now. But I-, I remember growing up, there was a gun shop in the area and it had the, the, the HK Mark 23 with the night suppressor, with the, the, the laser aiming module, the LAM, in the case and it was like five thousand dollars and i was like oh my god that's so cool i feel like it's not complete with without the laser and or yeah. that legendary flashlight only yeah that is just, i don't know what it's so, called so, so the upside is or the downside is a lot of those things don't work anymore because they're just broke over the years the upside is it it was like a 60 lumen light you're really not missing much anyway so <laughs> but it looks cool and that's yeah, it, most important. it does it looks cool it's okay um <laughs> So for me, for handgun, I, I'm a well-known Europhile, and I really like what a lot of the European police agencies do. So for me, it would be the Manturin MR73, which was the uh, revolver used by the uh, GIGN and RAID. And I think they still use them today for uh, um, ceremonial purposes. But it's a 37 Magnum developed specifically for the French uh, gendarmes and uh, police forces, and it was... Uh, I think they modeled it off of a Smith & Wesson for the action smoothness and accuracy and a Ruger uh, for just being able to handle a full diet of 3-7 mag. Like, that's what these guys were loading. They were not like American police with the K-frame magnums where, hey, you're going to shoot 38s and carry magnums. These guys are like, nope, full power, 3-7 magnum all the time. And just they just started re-importing them through Beretta, and they're just, from what I've seen, they're beautiful, beautiful guns and accurate and dependable and reliable. It just... A cool gun i'd love to shoot one one day cool yeah that's pretty cool so um all right uh we'll say we'll go to uh let's get nuts here submachine gun submachine gun yeah submachine gun 
or we can say pistol caliber carbine. You know? oh, that's easy for me. Select fire MP5. MP5 that's... or MP5 SD? Oh, SD. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say. Good, yeah. Good catch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good catch. Yeah. Obviously, it has to be the SD. Yeah. The one I would love to shoot the most. Yeah. Out of the ones I've shot, actually, is a full size Uzi. Yeah. Uh, okay. I, I like that Uzi better than than the MP5s I've shot. The MP5s. They can handle well. They're just so fast. And yeah. I like that the slowness of the full auto of the Uzi because yeah. I, I can control that thing. Mm-hmm. I want one round, one round. I want five. I, I can control that yeah. thing duh, 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 and get, get those mm-hmm. five rounds out. Um, I, and I really, really like that thing. So, so as much as I like the MP5, and again, one of the coolest things my dad ever did for me as a kid was he was he had gotten promoted at the same time to lieutenant as one of the, the SWAT supervisors. And, you know, he's like, hey, my kid's kind of in the guns. Like, so his... His buddy, who had been, who ended up being one of the SWAT lieutenants, I was in like twelve, and he got me an HK catalog. Yeah, like the, the like the restricted, like, and again, this was the late nineties. You couldn't, this stuff wasn't on the internet. The internet yeah. wasn't even a thing. Yeah. Um, so I had that catalog, and I was like, oh god, this is so cool. And, and MP5s, and I just thought they were coolest things ever. And I still think they're a great practical submachine gun. Mm-hmm. Awesome thing, the Rolls Royce, absolutely without a doubt. But um. As far as my favorite subgun I've ever shot, it's got to be the Beretta M12. Yeah. It's, it's another open bolt gun and yeah, just shooting yeah. that thing. Uh, neighboring agency, uh, that's what they had bought way back in the day because their team got set up in the real early 70s. Really? Yeah. And uh, that's what they carried, and they had them out for a fun shoot. And it was just, it was one of the first times I'd shot an open bolt gun, and that thing was just a, just class, just so smooth and, and cycling. And it was just that chug, 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 yep, chug, yep. chug, chug. Yeah, it was, it was, it was uh, there's a video of me oh. that, that if I could blur my face out, it, it's, I, I get done and I just like look at the camera and like grin like an idiot because it was <laughs> yep, so yep. much fun. <laughs> so, um, Darren, if you're listening, yeah, you'll remember this. Um, so when I was still at the 82nd, one of the most memorable experiences I ever had was, uh, brief little little fight and uh i smoked three dudes with my saw and and some other guys also got some good hits in on it so um smoked them secured the area and while we were doing our thing our battalion sergeant major shows up so he come you know this humvee rolls up he comes out and must have captured one somewhere and, yeah and that's what yeah. he had as yeah. his weapon he steps out and you know his boys just you know they, they they just did did the lord's work and he's all excited and happy he steps out and the first thing he says was that's right boys kill them all leave nothing for the gooks <laughs> <laughs> like all right sergeant major <laughs> uh, yeah that's yeah just the image of him coming out holding that thing that's yeah pretty cool so uh rifle Select fire or, or not bolt action, whatever, any, any rifle caliber, shoulder-fired arm. I, I, I got the opportunity to shoot. You know, Maybe there's something else that I'll find that I'll want to shoot. Yeah. But I got the opportunity to shoot the, the gun of my dreams, and that that was uh, in one of my deployments with with, uh, with fifth group, and we recovered a cherry, mm-hmm. cherry, Belgian-made para FNFAL. Oh, wow. wow. And it's it still... It, had uh, the sling was riveted to, right to, to the yeah. to, the, to yeah. the stock it was i was amazed at how beautiful it was mm-hmm. and uh so we got to play with that and then we tried my team leader and i we tried to do all the paperwork because we wanted to bring it back yeah. for, for fifth group because it was just such a an awesome uh, awesome piece and then they they denied it so then we went ahead and we uh turned it over to our partner force commander and he um he got all excited of because course, yeah. uh, he uh was 
uh, a commando back during the original uh, Saddam regime. Uh. And the, how they got them was they when they attacked Kuwait, they uh, they hit a place and they, so they stole like fifty of these para FNFALs mm-hmm. Belgium made from the Kuwaitis. So he was on the hit that got oh, it. Oh wow! So then now that he's a, a good yeah, guy right. in, in, in charge of an ISOF company, yeah, then it gets returned to him. So he was pretty excited about that. But yeah, it was a that was really cool, nice piece of history. Okay. So after talking with other Chris. I'm starting to get more and more interested in precision shooting just as a hobby for fun, mm-hmm. just because it's it's one of those things where you enjoy for a little bit, you get so frustrated, you have to walk away for weeks at a time and then come back to uh-huh. it, you know, and the ammo is just ridiculously expensive because I don't uh, reload. Um, so the Knight's Armament M110A, I believe, the full deployment kit. So it comes in like this Pelican. Is that the full 20-inch gun or, yes. or the six? Okay, yeah. so it gotcha. comes in the Pelican. It's all cut out. It has all the pieces. There's just something about... Gun Legos. The gun Legos of it yeah. and just the iconic of the rail. And there's just something about that gun I've just always wanted to shoot. They go hmm. for over 20000 just yeah. for the, the full deployment kit with the suppressor. Wow. And there's just something about that gun that is just the coolest-looking rifle to me. And you've seen a lot of good dudes do a lot of good mm-hmm. things with it you know yes. what I mean? it's just yeah. one of those guns it's often photographed i'd say yeah but the full deployment kit that that's the disclaimer it has to be the gotcha full kit. the full thing okay. and i have to like peel the plastic off it that's like the dream <laughs> <laughs> so uh mine actually goes back a ways okay uh, so when i was a kid you know, we were at one of my father's promotion ceremonies and he you know walked us through because he had a good relationship with the crime lab people and they had the the weapons identification room where they had like all the guns that have been turned in seized or okay, whatever cool. yeah there's like a reference room a reference library and at the time it was just it was a mess there's just piles of gun everywhere and so i was taking pictures of a kid you know through the stuff and you know i'm like nine or ten and my grandfather was a gun guy and i showed him some of the pictures and i said oh hey isn't that a bar he goes, that's not a BAR boy, that's a Colt monitor. And I had no idea what this was. <laughs> so, so a Colt monitor, for those who don't know, is a, uh, is, is a BAR, but it was designed specifically for law enforcement during the 1920s, during the Roaring Twenties. And it was kind of the, one of the first police-specific rifles designed. Yeah. And so it had a, a, a shortened barrel, a lightened barrel profile, a pistol grip, and a, and a cuts compensator, which if you don't know is like a great big old-school muzzle brake on it. And uh, most movies show Frank Hamer is using a BAR to ambush Bonnie and Clyde. It was actually a Colt R80 monitor, which, again, just speaks to how much Frank Hamer knew about, about weapons and hardware and selecting the, the right tool for the job. But so did sorry. But so my my uh, my agency still has that Colt monitor that we purchased, I guess, back in the 20s, you know, and actually. I've got the original newspaper article for it where it talks about purchased, you know, announced to the public that they purchased it to combat, you know, the rising threat of motor bandits. <laughs> one. one. One rifle. Yeah, yeah that's right. But, uh, but it, so it's still up there. And one of these days I, I'm going to see what I need to do to sign it out just to shoot it because that's, uh, to me, it's just so cool to see guys. I've always liked seeing guys doing what they can with the technology at the time and saying, hey, these 45 ACP Thompsons, they're cool, but they're not punching through the, the bulletproof vest the time or the uh, or the Model Ts. We need we need a rifle. Okay, how can we build a, a, a rifle back when, when rifles at the time were big, unwieldy bolt actions? So I just, for me, it's a Colt R80 monitor. And if you don't know what that is, please, please go look it up. I can't think of the name of the movie, but with Woody Harrelson. Hi, women. Yeah. How was that? Yeah, that, I know you that, saw that. That was great. And actually what sold me on watching the movie mm-hmm. was in the preview, they showed... Uh, 
Kevin Costner using a monitor. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, if they went to that detail, this yeah. is going to be a good movie. Because yeah. that, that's I'm, such a niche detail that most people don't know. Yeah. I think it's still on Netflix. I've watched it. Yeah. It, it's, it's definitely a very good one. And most of the Bonnie and Clyde movies show up from the perspective of them as like these like Rock and roll outlaws. heroes. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, uh, and, and that's one thing I loved about yeah. that. Didn't yeah. show their faces. Nope. Didn't glorify them. Nope. It was... Law yep. enforcement on the pursuit, yep. trying to yeah, and, exactly. and even to a certain extent, I felt that even showed a certain amount of respect to to Bonnie and Clyde. And the fact is that they were, uh, I don't want to say scared kids, but they were just yeah, like yeah. It, it it kind of it didn't glorify anything. Yeah, it just showed the facts and that it's it, it's a dirty dirty business. Yeah, so yeah, uh, I enjoyed that. That was yeah. a good movie. So uh, all right, we'll hit one thing. Uh, this barely counts as a firearm shotgun. If you could shoot any shotgun, what would it be? I, I, I can oh, already okay. I can already guess okay. his answer. I'll, but, I'll, I'll, I'll go last. Okay, yeah. I'm All interested right. to see what you, what you think my answer would be. Uh, you're a video game guy, and and so I'm assuming like some sort of Counter Strike Rainbow Six Benelli. Classic. But I was going to go with the I think it's the A12, which is another video game gun. Yes. God. Okay, so I was right. It's a video game yes. thing. Okay. All right. All right. It takes like a huge drum mag. Yeah. And that's that's. What What's funny is is a lot of people because again Jared you and I are old school mm -hmm. i mean you were a little bit older than i but i was that kid reading like the james yeah, yeah. and soldier fortune <laughs> james. um yeah i, I right? know yeah I, same here i know who who the heck knows what james is now i, I used to yeah. read the mac you remember mac balan uh-huh and i would sit there and i wouldn't know half the guns were so the next time i went to the library i'd, I'd walk yep. to the library and get the james book with yep. the mac balan and, and be like oh look up the gun okay all right that's what it's supposed to look like okay <laughs> But that's actually been around since like the 80s, the design. They just can't seem to get it off the ground. I think most people got exposed to it with uh, future weapons. And, <laughs> and yeah, no, it's been around for a while, the design. So, but really popular in Call of Duty. Very popular. I get killed by those guys all it's the like time. The street, it's, like the, it's like the street sweeper. That's what yeah. you bring out. You just, you don't really aim. You just point uh -huh. that direction. Well, when you say street sweeper, <laughs> that's Jared, I know what I think of. I think of the street sweeper. Yeah. Yeah. yeah big what yep, 12 big, drum yeah, yeah 20 drum something 12 shot yeah. double action drum yep, yeah yep. i mean those things were were really cool yes so um for me again growing up in the in the late 80s early 90s and uh well i guess late 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 80s and early now but you know watching movies like robocop mm -hmm. jurassic park at the spaz 12 spaz 12 yep Spaz 12 auto loader. So uh, that's that's the, what would be for me. We have some. They're horrifically heavy, <laughs> totally impractical. But that there is not a cooler looking shotgun yep. in the world than the yep. Spaz 12. Well, and that's what they used to in an Aliens. That's right. Yeah, the, the underbarrel. Yeah, yeah, the Thompsons, and then they put actually actually Nerf. Did you see that? Yes, oh, but no, actually, actually, it's a. It was an 870 with a Spaz 12 heat shield on it. Oh, okay, because they okay. needed to make it look. Yeah, an 870 was just a little too pedestrian. Yeah, they needed to make it look like Spaz 12. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cool. All right. So mine. Yeah. Um, maybe some of you guys listening, if you're if you're old like me, you'll recognize the name Ragnar Benson. It's a pen name. It's actually mm -hmm. a bunch of people who wrote, but they, they all went into that pen name. And they wrote all kinds of preparedness, survival, uh, wilderness medicine, medicine, guns, all, all sorts of stuff that came out in Piled and Press. So I was reading one of those books, and in there, they mentioned some very enterprising uh doughboys in world war one so when the germans declared hey if you use a shotgun that's violating the geneva convention we're going to execute you on the spot right because the shotguns are just horrible we can we can use gas we can yeah. draw mustard gas but you can't use the shotguns so in this book he describes how this this unit they um 
took a couple 1919s, took out the barrels, put smooth bore, and since they had cloth belts, they went ahead and made two belt-fed 12 gauges no that they use interlocks no to, to protect a little part yeah. of the trench. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's pretty cool. There's some American ingenuity right yeah. there. That's yeah. pretty cool. So, yeah. I've obviously I've only read it in that one yeah, place there. Right, but if it exists, if it yeah, exists, yeah. I would love to shoot okay. that thing. If anyone here is listening that has a pair of belt-fed 12 gauge <laughs> 1919s, drop us a line. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, I'm glad you're in a good mood. But uh, where the heck is LTAC Quarterly? People want to know. Oh. All right, that's a that's a fair question. Uh, so, if you don't know, LTAC Quarterly is our uh, hard copy, i.e., that's that's paper um, newsletter. So we've been prepping it, getting ready to put it out, and is almost complete. Like just really, really, really only to do one more or two more things and then put it out there. But with all the, the craziness, with the sickness, with uh, Chris's wife, um, as as you know, because he was on here and talked a little bit about it with her getting really sick, uh, there were just some projects and stuff that we've just paused and pushed to the side. So. Yes, LTAC Quarterly is still going to happen. We're still getting people signed up. Shoot, someone from England signed up. I don't know, you know, if if they would get in trouble receiving something like that in the mail. But um, it will be going out. I just don't know the exact time. But once it starts to go out, it'll be something that, yeah, we'll, we'll be coming out every couple months. I just think it's worth mentioning that everyone does the email newsletter that absolutely no one reads. <laughs> and I think it's yeah, cool it's to fact. have a hard copy of something. Kind of like it makes you more specialized. Yeah. Like collectible, I would say. And that's part of the part of the image that I'm trying to put in there. So there's unique stuff, interesting designs, pictures. There's going to be uh, one-off stickers and other stuff going with it, as well as, as some targets. I know I designed a, a new zero target. Oh, very cool. And that that's going to be going out uh, one copy. And so you don't shoot when you get it. Don't shoot that copy. That's for you to photocopy. Then you can shoot all of those. But yeah, so it is coming out just because of all the uh, real-world stuff yeah, that understood. we've been dealing with. It just kind of got set aside for right now. Okay, good. Um, and I can, I'll can chime in on that. I, I, uh, I've been a member of the NTOA since I went to, to, to my team, and uh, I, being the you know green thinker that I am, said, oh, I'll sign up for the electronic copy. Yeah, I've never read a single electronic copy <laughs> of, of the Tactical Edge. But you I, get it, though, right? <laughs> yeah, I get it, and I delete it, and I never read it, so... I, I keep meaning to switch it to the to the paper copy because yeah. I will read the magazine. I won't read the electronic stuff, and I think we all kind of agree on that. So uh, here's another question submitted. Uh, what did you want to be as a kid? I guess what did you want to be when you grew up, I guess, is, is the question. I'll let you know when I grow up. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how I feel too. <laughs> but uh, I'll, I'll go first. Um, when I was a kid, there was this book series called like Childhoods of Great American Leaders or something like that. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, I read the, the, the Davy Crockett, the Daniel Boone, the Kit Carson ones, all the frontiers. I read that until like the, the pages fell out almost. And, mm -hmm. and so I wanted to be a frontiersman when I grew up. That's what I thought I was going to be until I was like seven or eight. I wore a Davy, I wore a coonskin cap everywhere in public. <laughs> <laughs> My parents didn't stop me. They're like, all right, well, yeah, okay, he's happy with that. But yeah, I, I wanted to be a, a frontiersman. And then uh, when I got old enough to realize they're, uh, you, you couldn't just go adventuring for a living anymore. So I was a little disappointed. So I, I, I still don't feel like I've grown up, but, yeah. uh, you know, policeman wasn't, wasn't a bad second career. Uh, growing up, I, like I said previously before on my podcast, I raced motocross at somewhat of a high, decent level because I always thought that was going to be my career path. You, mm -hmm. you can race motorcycles forever, right? You don't get hurt. I mean, it's fine. Hmm. Yeah. 
it's just you'll last forever you'll be young you'll recover from your injury and you're right back on top um when that didn't work out and my career ended um the fallback plan was always police so even as a little kid halloween every year was always a police officer my neighbor growing up was a police officer and that had a big impact on me and it was never a second uh never doubted it for me so it's very obvious for me uh both my parents are in the corporate world and mm. that's exactly what i yeah. did not want to do so yeah. it was easy for me but I, I would almost mirror that as the same thing um the frontiersman thing just kind of continued i just knew that i did not want to work in an office yes. i wanted to be outside didn't matter what just not working in an and office now half my day is doing paperwork so yeah 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 <laughs> right uh, again like i said i still think a full-time spot team is the closest thing you have to hollywood job i i do zero paperwork it's awesome you show up you hit the hashtag like, all right nerds detectives do your thing must, we're out of here let's go to chipotle must be nice <laughs> yeah. oh it's great yeah it's we'll, awesome we'll hold the scene from there don't worry yeah <laughs> yeah you guys stay warm in the truck yeah yeah well we're not in the truck anymore dude i told you we're going to chipotle <laughs> hope you brought a power bar so jared well i guess if, if there's one thing i am with this podcast it's honest so yeah i've had a lot of fun uh, military work, uh, teaching, yeah, a lot, very rewarding. Running LTAC and meeting you guys and, and helping you and, and empowering you and, and that's that's very rewarding. Um, but all of that uh, really has just been to uh, subsidize what I what I wanted to do. And really, since uh, I was a young man, I wanted to be a dad. <laughs> that might sound corny, but I love my kids. I have a few of them, and I find more joy in being a dad. And I mean, shoot, I almost swore there. Shoot, I, did you guys see how happy I was? Oh, yeah. How fun I was oh, yeah. driving that pickup truck with yes. all those little girls in the I, back. I, I got pictures of yes. it. Yes, <laughs> hauling the shot-up car. Yeah. For, yeah. for the past couple yeah. of days, that I had more fun and received more joy doing that little drive than than anything else. So I, and again, maybe it sounds corny. What did I want to be when I grew up? I wanted to be a dad. So there, I'm well, honest. Jared, if you're done making the rest of us feel bad yeah. for our answers, uh, we'll move on. Yeah. To, uh, and actually, now I get to make you feel bad. Oh, oh, yeah? What's that? What's the first gun you ever bought? And we'll start with handgun. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, Jared, what, what, what was the first handgun you ever bought? It was a Taurus PT-101. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I couldn't, uh -huh. I couldn't hear you. No. You... <laughs> you want me to repeat that? Yeah. A little bit louder? A, yeah. a Taurus PT-101. Oof. God. <laughs> and what is that? Well, if you don't know... That is a bad clone of a Beretta M9, chambered in 40 cal. Oh God! With, with adjustable sights, so there should oh, break. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, it was horrible. Wow! It was. It's like you said. What's the worst <laughs> semi-quality guys? The worst gun would have been like a High Point or a Jennings yes, or something. Yes. <laughs> a lot of people listening don't even know what a Jennings is, <laughs> or a Phoenix. Yeah. Or a Raven. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, I've, yeah. I've seen a lot of those. You're pulling them out. Yeah. Usually stored in a Crown Royal bag somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so conveniently sized. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, my first handgun was actually a Browning High Power Mark III. Because oh. I, I, in between uh, the A Team and Serpico. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that makes sense. If anybody's never seen Serpico, he goes and he buys the Browning High Power. He's a detective. Mm -hmm. And so that gun takes a 13-shot clip. What do you expect in an army? And he says, no, just a division. Like, God, <laughs> that's the gun I want. And it was cocked and locked. There was a Browning design. And I couldn't afford a 1911 because everybody wanted one. But yeah, yeah Browning High Power was my first gun. That's pretty cool. You still yeah. have it? 
No, I sold it oh. because I started being serious about shooting, and I decided I could either be a gun collector or okay. a good shot. Okay. So I'm still Fair. working on being a good shot. Fair enough, yeah. Yeah. First handgun purchase. Turn 21, immediately rush to the courthouse to get my concealed carry. Uh-huh. Next stop, gun shop. I said, I want that one. The stainless steel slide, Springfield XDS, <laughs> nine millimeter. Nice. Yeah, get out, get out. Yeah, There's the door. But what, what, what sold you on it? The, the the cheap holster that came with it, or, or all the, or, or, the or, or all the all the ads and guns and ammo. <laughs> what was it between that and the Kimber? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Shouldn't be that mean. I, I should have lied. <laughs> you know. Now I do have, and. I haven't shot the thing in yeah. years, and I hardly yeah. ever shot it because I I didn't purchase it outright. I got got it from uh, yeah. from a relation, but a uh, HS two thousand. So so that's the HS two thousand is in my opinion a great gun because it, w- it was a polymer frame gun, mm-hmm. the striker fired, it was pretty accurate and and pretty reliable, and it cost about like two hundred dollars. Yeah yeah yeah. Around two hundred bucks. So, so for those who don't know, the XD is an HS two thousand. It's just now they slapped uh, Springfield Armory's name on it, said American whatever, and upcharged it to, to be more than a Glock. Yeah. And it's, uh, again, I already think Glocks are too expensive. Like, for what they, if you actually saw how much police agencies pay for those things, you would cry. But HS2000, awesome gun, XD, not a fan. <laughs> and I paid more for this stainless steel. Uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. Uh-huh. I, walked in there yep. I walked in the gun shop there like, we got this guy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Look at this, like yeah. on a silver platter. Comes in a right. clamshell case. Yeah, cheesy holster, cheesy. This is. The, did you get the one with the the uh, the mag holders that had the Picatinny rail, so you can put your uh, light on outside? Right, and like the yeah. mag holders were in a V, so yeah, they're not even straight yeah. up and down, facing opposite yeah. directions. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yep. yeah, yep. yeah. Oh man, yeah, good, good stuff. Yeah. So, um, all right, what was your first rifle you ever bought? Eighty-nine dollar Norinco SKS. Nice. A uh, paratrooper or full size? Full size. Nice. Full size. Nice. Yes. You get ammo with it? Oh yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I might still have some of that ammo that I. Is, I it, is it the old yellow box Norinco or the uh, or or the green box Jang uh, Chai whatever Factory Fifty Seven stuff? Oh, I, I I might want to plead the fifth. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Funny. So I I got that, and then uh, I got some work done on it about three mm-hmm. months after I had it, so I was able to take AK mags. Ah, right. So um. I'm going through the, the weapon sergeant course, and part of the uh, the, the course, you have to, uh, on a stopwatch under time, you got to rip apart a weapon, field strip it, and then put it back together, and all, all kinds of weapons. Tons of what, you know, from machine guns, Maldus, M14, 1911s, various pistols, sub guns, uh, rifles, all kinds of stuff. So um, one I never practiced was, was that SKS, because I had the one since I was 18. I know the thing better yeah, than any right. of the weapons. So why work on that when I can get a couple of more reps in on, on the 50 cal or yeah. the, the m14 that was yeah. that was yeah. real that was that was a difficult one so we go to test and i'm smoking it smoking it and then i come to the sks and uh the cadre is like you ready yep go can he hits the stopwatch or whatever so i ripped that thing apart no problem because again i've been doing it for decades and then he goes okay you ready to reassemble yes hits the stopwatch and i start then all of a sudden i come to the box mag yeah that i haven't touched since you know I had that gun in yeah. three months, you know, only the first three months, because now it takes AK mags. And I stood there, and I go, uh, he, this disgusted sound. Are you serious? Uh, you're not serious. <laughs> uh, 
you're no go at this station. <laughs> and I, it's, that's the one weapon that I flunked, that I failed. Pretty sad. Anyways, all right. Enough making fun of me. Your turn. First rifle purchase. Uh, you know what it is. I sent you pictures of it because I actually dug through pictures of my phone. I found it. It was a Colt um, Magpul edition with like the plastic furniture. Not bad. 16 inch Not from bad. Field and Stream. Back when Field and Stream sold rifles. Wow. Which is. I, yeah. Wow. Not bad. Um, and yeah, you I, could definitely do a lot worse than that. No, yeah, yeah. Because, well, well, not the SKS. That's pretty cool. But uh, well, no, the, uh, comes yeah, with pistols. Yeah, I did a lot worse with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean the SKS. That's a quality gun, and, and they were like they were like the every man's mm-hmm. working on. My grandfather had one for the same reason. He grew up during the depression. And he he wanted a cheap, reliable semi-auto. So mm-hmm. he had an M1 carbine and, a, and an SKS and a Colt M4 for your first gun. Most people usually make a mistake and single and, point sling now. Hey, uh, look, man, I... Uh, we talked I, about that a little bit today at the yeah, class. Yeah, at the class. Yeah. We did, but look, uh, look, I, my first M4 sling was a single point. It was actually a... Uh, you won't even know what this is. It was a choker. A choker sling. Was that bungee or no bungee? No, I, I, this is like old school. Like the guy was a former Navy SEAL. It went over like a harness and had like a snap shot. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm yeah, talking about? Yeah, the choker sling. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I found it in a pond. I was like, oh, my God. I, I, I've never seen these in the... The U.S. Cavalry catalog, like, oh, I'm definitely putting this on my, because my first was a, my first AR-15 was a stag lower okay. with a Colt M16A1 parts kit and in a surplus Israeli three power scope. <laughs> my first AR-15, and I was like, oh, this would be perfect. And then I put it on. I looked in the mirror. I was like, yeah, it seems kind of dumb. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, you you did pretty good. What was the first optic? Because, uh, uh, what was the optic you put on it? Say. So the first optic I had on it was an EOTech. Okay, that's not bad. And this was one of the models that I shortly found out after that did have the issue with cold and hot. And would. To be fair, every electronic red dot site exhibits that. Right. Some are just worse than others. So that to being fair in the interest of fairness, that, yeah. you know. But since then, all EOTechs produced in the recent years have fixed that issue. But even then, when I go on law enforcement demos, I still have to preference that because the stigma of EOTechs not working in the cold is still alive and well. For some odd reason, just internet rumors that just keep going. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it is very hard to overcome <clears throat> a reputation, especially with internet forms, because once that information gets out there, it's, it's, it's hard to beat. Yeah, well, so much of it is cut and paste. It, it, it is, and, and really what I've realized is from now being, I've seen stuff that I've seen happen repeated on the internet or i know the origin of the story and you're like okay yeah that true but not true or like you've got so many people repeating it that you think it's a thousand times when yeah, really it's like yeah. only one or two examples since they're amplifying yeah and amplifying the last issue. note on that the crazy part is i remember sending it back and eotech sending me a live check for yeah. the full amount paid for that optic which is would never happen now i mean that's unheard of i mean companies warranty yeah. their products but a live check yeah pretty crazy yeah yeah absolutely so um i forget if it was shot show or maybe the great american outdoor show one of them yeah. was walking around and there's the eotech booth right after that yeah and i looked at the the vendor and like do you need a hug <laughs> <laughs> i don't think he was amused <laughs> but but he did give me a, an eotech uh bottle open uh there's actually a good not to plug another podcast there's actually a good podcast the, the q podcast live q or die 
I actually listened to it where they interviewed some of the guys from EOTech and they talk about the, the drama that went down yeah, surrounding yeah. that. And I think, um, I think they give a good accounting of events. Yeah. And again, I, I am 100%, I don't want to say diehard aim point guy, but it's, it's, I've seen people in the industry with good products get railroaded by public opinion and, yeah. and, and they do a really good job explaining it. So, um, so hey, that, that's fine. Yeah. Put out that plug again because I, I want to listen to that. Yeah. So, what was live, that? Live, cure, or die. Okay. And they talk with the EOTech guys for two, two and then they, they do a good job breaking down the EOTech and some of the science behind it. So, cool. cool. Um, my first rifle was actually at the uh, King of Prussia gun show. Nice. Yes. That used to be. It, it was. Be it was war. it. Yep. It was it. And uh, I mean, it was like the heyday. Like I was going to that gun show. Like, what's all this internet stuff about Beanie Babies and and, and Taser? There's none of that. It's just nothing but wall to wall quality guns. Quite just tons of ammunition. Remember the uh, the Guatemalan five five six that yeah. was everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. The South African stuff. Um, I still might have some of that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure. And uh, I walked in there, broke college kid. Not a. I had like a hundred bucks. I'm like, all right. I'm going to hold on to this. And I come to a guy, and he's got those giant crates of Mosins, and they're stacked almost this ceiling. And I'm like... Yes, you got yourself a Mosin they got? Yep. It was like, it was like I think it was like 59.9. or it, They were <laughs> yeah. low. I mean, they were... Because they were everywhere. This was the heyday of like exactly. the surplus, the oh, yeah. CNR stuff, like that time period. And I got... Oh, I, I wish I would have gobbled up Falcons at the time. I know. Oh, God. It also had part kits. I saw a DP-28. Uh-huh. It's all kinds of neat old stuff. Um but I was like, okay, so for a hundred dollars cash, I threw. I was a, I was a savvy negotiator. I got myself a Mosin. I got ninety-one thirty, with with the sling, you know, the the funny looking tin can that I didn't know what it did, but that was an accessory. <laughs> but, but you got it, yeah. yeah. The, the 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 bayonet, which was, you know, I think it made it almost as tall as I was, and then uh, I got a a a, a tin of um, ammo. Uh, I can't remember. It was Russian, whatever. No, it wasn't Russian. It was it was Bulgarian heavy ball. Oh, okay. So got that in the, in the funny looking thing that I, I then had to like get a pair of tin snips to get it open. I got all that for a hundred dollars, and I was primed. Oh and yeah. I oh, found yeah. out about Cosmoline. And <laughs> there I'm my little my little studio apartment in college, and I'm and I've got the oven open, and I'm trying to bake the Cosmoline uh-huh. out of the stock. And oh yeah, and I'm I'm I went to Goodwill and got a cheap pot so I could boil the bolt to get to get all the Cosmoline. Oh yeah, I was and I was like okay. I got this. I got my, my, my backpacking backpack. If things go bad, I'm, I'm hoofing it home with my Mo's and the Gaunt and my, my backpack, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get home. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's a well thought out yeah, plan. I, hey, I thought so. Uh-huh. And then, of course, my guy, but the sights aren't great, so I'm going to get myself an Enfield. <laughs> Do you still have the, the Mosin? No. So, um, again, being, I was like, hey, I got to be a serious shooter, but also, um, I was leaving my 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 job my prior to joining the police department mm-hmm. at where I was, I was a greenskeeper at a golf course and there was a a young dude there who who was a good dude history buff and he just again he was a broke kid just out of high school he was eighteen and so I was like hey man um I'll save my Mosin account for what I paid for it which was like sixty bucks yeah so I sold it and, and paid it forward cool. to him and, and and he still has it today you know so I just I felt like hey I'm you know pass it on it was a good rifle for me but. Out of curiosity, did it shoot better with the bayonet folded or bayonet forward? So, so it was a ninety-one thirty, so it didn't have the folding. Bayonet. Okay, it had okay. The, the socket, the mounted bayonet. But yes, it gotcha, shot gotcha. better with the bayonet on. Yeah, because my I, I don't know the model, but my dad yeah. has one mm-hmm. that the kind that the bayonet folds to the side. That's either like a, a ninety-one thirty-eight or ninety. Oh God, you make me take this back. Or ninety-one forty-four. 
when yeah. it's folded, yeah. not yep. accurate at all. Yep. You snap that thing out, yep. and then, I don't know, fixes the barrel harmonics or something, and just that thing so, is just good So shooting. it was actually Soviet doctrine that the, the assault should be conducted with the bayonet fixed. Yeah. So they zeroed all the guns with the bayonets on. So I actually, because I was, you know, I was slick. I wasn't going to use that bayonet. Made it too long. So I, I had my, my hammer and punch, and I drifted the sight back. <laughs> okay. So it shot dead on without the bayonet. But, yeah, that, that was why the Soviet doctrine was, was engaged with bayonets attached. Cool. Just one of those little things. And, and, again, it's almost kind of sad, like all the little cool things. Like how many Yugoslav SKSs did guys buy? And they probably called you because then they called me saying, hey, I, this thing's a single shot. Uh-huh. Because the Yugoslav SKS has had a grenade launcher attachment yep, and absolutely. had a gas cut off, and a lot of people didn't know it. So half the time they call me, I said, hey, see that little button there? Yeah, flip the side. Okay, good now. I, I hear on the phone, bang, bang. Oh, it worked. How'd you do that? <laughs> it's magic. <laughs> yeah, right. It's, it's just knowing. And I really feel like we've almost like got like a more boring gun culture now. We do. It's, it, Glock, it, it's, it's Glocks and ARs, and as well, much as practical as they are. You, they're, look at the rest of the Western world. You know, uh, like Britain, Canada. Australia, they've oh, lost. They've yeah. lost their gun culture. Yeah. It doesn't exist now. So and yeah. and trying to happen here in in, in degrees, it, it is. And when when I was a kid, yeah. going to gun shows, oh yeah, all, all kinds of stuff yeah. you can see and play with and learn about. And it, it, this is how bad it was. So um, so when I went to the 18 Bravo course, yeah, right, the weapon sergeant yeah. course, um, there were a lot of weapons there that we didn't get our hands on. Yeah. So one thing that blew these guys away when we were, we were playing with stuff is they had like a Makarov. How do you take this thing down? Yep. They had never yep. seen a pistol where you pull the, the trigger guard e- down. E- even Walther, because it's a Walther design. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. It's, it's that, guys just didn't grow up with Walthers, things like that. And yeah. another funny one, we didn't touch high powers. Yeah. Not at all. But we had to, to clean them uh, at the end. Yeah. So all these yeah. guys who now, you know, they, they've passed the course, they're, they're, yep. they're weapon sergeants, they're like, this thing's broken. I can't get the hammer for it. Well, yeah. You see that magazine? Hold on a second. Do, do you know why? No. Okay. All right. I, l- listen. Just no, no. I'm, 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 not, I'm not picking on you. We've it's talked just, about this before. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, my whole gun career, I'd say, has yeah. been AR and Glocks. Rainbow Six and video games. And it's not to pick on you. It's more to show guys like how much gun knowledge like gets lost because this was a big thing. And what was it, Jared? What's that, the high power? Why, why, why didn't it? Okay, so before I tell you, yeah. uh, for 15 minutes, I watched you, you these sat guys there, yeah. and just laughed. Yeah. So part of the safety that's built into it is you need to have a magazine inserted. So you put a mag, now the hammer works. Take the mag out, the gun's not going to fire. So that was a, a safety feature that Browning built into that, that design. So, yeah, these guys, oh, it doesn't work. So then finally, after 15 minutes of me yeah. laughing at them, yeah. walk in. And yep. then, then I removed the mag, and they're like, how'd you do that? They cock it again. It's broken. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? So two things. One, when I bought my Browning High Power, first thing I did was remove the mag disconnect. Yeah. I, was a, I was a savvy guy at 21. I, was, yeah. I know I got to get rid of this thing, improve the trigger. But so I see you looking confused. Like, And again, dude, I'm not picking on you. It's just like it's funny to see stuff that like I honestly grew up with, but like, learned about a lot they're not really a thing anymore so that's why i like to like look to you be like yeah you have no idea what we're talking about with this stuff well just like the other day my neighbor brought down the yeah awb ar and i had to text you assault up his band yeah <laughs> and i'm like it's not functioning it's not cycling it won't fire at all and i'm like what's wrong with this and i had to text you because yeah. i've never seen these some of the parts the that parts. are in yeah yeah just be count yourself lucky and actually who quit using AR so there was a saying AR-15 parts versus M-16 parts because they're a big thing over conversion and legality mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
and ATF basically said, hey, any M16 parts at all, and they listed the parts in a gun, make it automatically an M16. And, uh, you know, Colt gets a lot of heat because they really were early adopters of some of the... Yeah, they, they put the block in it, the block and, and they the cut sear the block, bolts. And yeah. they got the high, the high shelf lowers. Because, yeah. you know, I remember guys getting upset about that, like, I wouldn't buy Colt as a high shelf. Like, dude, I don't think you're going to be dropping 10 grand on that drop in auto, that registered drop in auto sear, so it doesn't really matter. But yeah. same thing, Colt was actually the one to stand up the ATF and say, hey, uh, we're not making two parts anymore. Like, right after the AW, they said, we're shipping everything on an M16 carrier because of a functionality issue because the higher mass yeah, the more yeah, reliability yep. so another thing people like me may not know the barrel just ends on this awd no flash hider yeah it's just yeah. there's nothing it just sorry new yorkers some people don't even know what that is <laughs> but so um the other thing is mag disconnects and again we're going to get to the, the the latter part of this question in a second but mag disconnect were a big thing in police culture because early police autos that was a safety feature the idea is if you get in a fight with a guy with your gun so getting into a fight with a suspect over a gun was such a big thing back in the 70s and 80s because the holsters were just buckets of leather. Mm-hmm. You were going to get in a fight with a guy over your gun because he was going to get your gun away from you. So doctrine at the time was Smith & Wesson was big on this, was magazine disconnects. You, you get in a fight with your gun, a guy over your gun, you drop the mag and fire around. Now there's, the gun can't be used. So that was the whole idea. Or you, you, yeah, you drop the mag. Yeah, once you drop the mag. Yeah, drop the mag. You, you, drop, you couldn't fire. I'm sorry. That was the other doctrine was if you had a gun without a magazine safety, you would drop the mag and fire around. But if you had a Smith & Wesson auto like the 5906s, things like that, you could drop the mag, fire the, uh, maybe it was the 39s. Early, anyway, early Smith & Wessons, you could do that. And that was like a thing. And it's funny how, again, like we talk this idea that there's no such thing as a bad idea. It's just it's changed by technology. Yeah, now we're at triple retention molded holsters for police. And what's crazy is that Safariland has more retention than anything back in the day, and it's faster. Yep. It's faster, more secure. So, again, uh, if you're walking around with a zero retention Kydex holster and you're carrying it openly, stop. Go get a Safariland holster, some sort of tension, an ALS, something like that. Yeah, if, you're, make car- level. if you're carrying it openly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. yeah. Um, so, the last part of that first gun you ever bought is, uh, is what was the first shotgun you ever bought? I'll actually go first because mine's embarrassing. Um, I wanted a riot gun. I was like, I'm going to get me a riot gun. That's that's what I'm going to get. Um, so I went to the local gun shop. Again, I'm a savvy guy. I'm not going to pay money for an 870 or a 500, Mossberg 500. I'm going to find like an old school pump gun. And I bought myself a, a Stevens Savage 77E. Stevens. I don't even know what that is. It's like a like a hardware store brand. It was okay. a Savage made, but it was like a common thing. They, they made some pump guns for for use in Vietnam because you know they wanted shotguns. Okay, for okay, that. yeah, but yeah. Like not like a big contract, but like a good quality, like like decent brand. But uh, I didn't know anything about guns, so I bought this thing, which somebody cut down themselves to eighteen inches. Bought it, I'm like, dude, I'm ready. Uh, it didn't even have a front bead. <laughs> but again, I, I knew what I was doing, right? I was a savvy eighteen year old uh-huh. kid, and. Uh, I go. I get. I get myself because I knew again. I got myself some. It wasn't flight control because I don't think flight control was a thing yet. But I got some federal, some good double op buck. I go home and you know sneak it up to my room and and load it up and uh, go to pump it and it kicks like two rounds out into the uh, into the loading gate. I didn't know there was a thing called uh, uh, shell latches and you're supposed to have two of them. And this gun had been out of production for like 30, 40 years. And so I couldn't find any parts. I called Numerick, Numerick, Numerich, whatever it is, uh-huh. or, or Sarco. Yeah, yeah, and, and Sarco. they're like, yeah. no, nah, we haven't seen parts for that for thing in years. So I got I got taken for a ride on that. Um, 
the story of how I got rid of it, uh, I'll tell off off air because <laughs> it's a good story. But uh, but yeah. So suffice to say, I got I got taken for a ride on that, yeah. and I've been eight seventy ever since. You know. But yeah, that was uh again. I was a slick eighteen year old. I knew what I was doing, and yeah, see where it got me. That's right. Yeah. Uh, the first shotgun I got, Mossberg five ninety. Nice. Nice. Still have it. It's the one Abby used to, oh, to nice. defend the house. Very good. And uh, it makes its way to, to classes and stuff when, when we do the shotgun classes. Good. That thing is just a good, solid workhorse. So mine's do you even own a shotgun? I do. <laughs> this is a little bit of a technical answer, so you guys are probably make fun of me. But this was no. early on, early mm-hmm. on, uh, a judge, which is essentially a revolver. I thought has. you were going to tell me what a judge was. Like, yeah, it's, it's, the, it's 20, the, the lawyer with the black gauge. robe. 45, wow. and you can mix and match. 410. 410. Yeah. 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 But that was technically. Wait, wait, wait. Was it a Taurus, Taurus judge? Yeah, Taurus judge. <coughs> wow. So so you not only got a Taurus handgun, you got a Taurus shotgun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For those who aren't familiar with the Taurus judge, that's not. Tell you what. We'll accept that answer, but do you have any other shotguns? Because um, Taurus judge isn't really like, I mean, it's a pistol. Yeah. Right now, I'm looking into buying a breaching shotgun. Right now, I just uh, own it. I don't even know the uh, um, make of it. It's a classic over and under wooden stock. Okay. Nothing okay. Yeah. extravagant. Um, kind of cool. a boring answer. That's, no. That's, that's that's a good answer. I mean, it, I think a lot of people's first. It's an honest answer. Yeah. And now, the over-under. Do you know who invented the over-under? No. Browning. John Moses Browning, the superposed. That's right. He was the first one to say, hey, instead of putting them side by side, let's put one barrel on top of the other. It's cool how they kick out, too. I mean, that's oh, you've like got a, a classic. Oh, you've got ejectors. Oh, yeah. Oh, then that's a fancy shotgun. That's that's a fancy yeah. shotgun with ejectors. Okay. All right. Um, rolling along here. All right. Somebody wants to know what our favorite movie gunfight is. Oh. Let me think about that. Yeah, that's a tough one. That's That's a tough one. Okay. Okay, go ahead. You got your answer? I have my answer. All right. Now, Heat's good, Way the Gun's good, John Wick's good, and there's some other movies out there. Uh, did you guys see the one? I forget what it's called. Um, I don't have Netflix anymore since uh, the Obamas became a big part of Netflix. We we ditched them. But um, it was uh, Chris Hemsworth, Helmsworth, Thor. He did. Um, is that the Indian one when they were in India? Yes. Yeah. yeah. There's some really good stuff in that. Yeah. I, I like that. I'm look up the, the name. Is it Extraction? I think it might be Extraction. Okay, okay but um, I'm going to go completely fake and like nowhere based in reality as far as my favorite gunfight in a movie, and that has to be the hospital scene in Hard Boiled. That is just 40 minutes long out of control it is extraction by the way you were right it was yeah, extraction, extraction yeah, yeah. At, at, out of control shotguns with like seven foot flames yeah it's, it's yeah hong kong early 90s gun fu mm-hmm. at it that's absolute best yeah I, if you guys have, haven't seen that have you seen the movie hard-boiled i have you have yeah. i've seen the part you're talking about okay but not the entire movie yeah so the main character chiang fat uh, his character named tequila that's John Wick's mentor. Yeah, that's yeah. The, that's who John Wick wants to be. So mine isn't per se a gun movie. However, mm-hmm. it was my favorite movie, which has a good gunfight in it. Um, I like mid-80s and 90s movies so much to the point when I'm watching them, my girlfriend leaves the room and refuses to participate. <laughs> yeah. I am obsessed with cheesy 90s action movies. Okay. So. Mid to late 80s also. Yeah. Point Break. 
And that is when <laughs> Keanu Reeves enters the house, gets in this like wicked gunfight with like the super cool sur- surfer dudes with like the crazy hair. Yeah. That's the scene. That's enough war child. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. But the That's... original point break, obviously. Yeah. 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 Uh, there is no other point break. Right. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't exist. Um, so for me, uh, like we were talking, I think if we're gonna say just like fun gunfight like you said like cheesy over the top yeah uh, any of the robocop movies <laughs> okay my favorite is when they hit the uh the 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 coke factory where they're and, and, and like the reason i like that one so much is because it's got like every eight like one guy's got an ac556 one guy's got a styre aug you've got robocop with the beretta 93r with the shroud yeah, guys yeah. Got Desert. like it's got all the 80s guns like the the diversity of firearms that was the 1980s so that that's for that but I think the first movie I saw, the first realistic gunfight movie, because for a long time, gunfight movies or movies, gunfights were so over the top and ridiculous. Yeah. Now, I don't know what happened, but there started to be a, a move towards technical realism in Hollywood. And I, I definitely say some of the Miami Vice stuff early on with mm-hmm. Michael Mann. Mm-hmm. But um, for me, the first movie I saw was in college and it was Way of the Gun. Yeah. A- and the gunplay in that movie was was good. I mean, it was... Uh, and. It, I always say the most realistic part of that gunfight is uh, Benicio del Toro with the Galil ARM, the, the 308. Yeah. And uh, people have said, God, I had two mags. What's up with that? I was like, Have you seen the prices on this Galil mags? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> like a 308 Galil mag. Like, yeah, that's probably what he was robbing the bank for in the first place, <laughs> was to he, buy more. He wanted a third one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but seeing that and, and, and uh, Ryan Felipe working the 870 yeah. and the 1911s of the old guys with the 38s, and that, that was very. Even as a college kid who didn't really like know what he was, I could tell like, hey, this is that is so this t- is yeah. technically yes. good. Yes, it's a very yeah. technically accurate and and the gunplay and the the chamber checks and all this other with yeah. the 1911s was just just yeah. good, good. So yeah. After our uh, day three of our um, gosh, our pistol marksmanship class. So that's the the malfunctions day. All malfunctions. Yeah. That's one of the things I usually tell people. Okay, you've done all this. You've worked yeah. all these malfunctions with both hands, strong hand, weak hand. You're smoked. Yeah. Tonight, your yeah. homework is to go to YouTube and weigh the gun. Type, yeah. type that in and watch that scene. Yeah. And and we all agreed though. Heat is one of the best. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He, it goes without saying. Um, Ronan too. The the ambush in Nice. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That that's also real. That good. that was the movie that made me want to sig five five two. <laughs> that yeah. So um. Yeah, any other crazy movie gunfights you can think of? Any real good ones? Honorable mentions? I've got one. Uh, cheesy, but uh, Navy SEALs. That, that again, I'd been growing up on like cheesy movies. Mm-hmm. And yes, it was a little cheesy, but watching that, and they all had MP5 SDs. And I was like, I think that was the first movie as a kid I ever okay. saw had an MP5. And I'm like, I know that's what, you know, I know that's yeah. what they're supposed to have. And so seeing that, I you, got... You know, I saw it as a kid... Yeah. Enjoyed it for what it was, you know, yeah. cheesy movie, right? Just in my mind, up there with I don't know, Predator or, or Commando yeah. or, or something, yeah. right? Uh, or Rambo, yeah. one of the early ones. But then I, been making fun of it, I saw yeah. one, one of the things, and I was impressed because yeah. they were actually employing yes. the correct technique by that, pushing, pushing the sling out, yeah, 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 the sling, yeah, the sling yeah. tension, exactly. Yeah. And that, yeah. that's that's so and, and I again being a kid who like read books, like, yeah. I, I saw that and I was like, that's the British way, that's the way there's you know yeah. like that. Yeah. It, it was real for the 80s. Yeah. I'd say it was a realistic movie for the 80s. They, they put some effort in with that stuff. So I'd say, yeah, Navy SEALs of Michael Bean. And mm-hmm. Although, you know, Michael Bean's played a... Uh, SEAL three times? SEAL three times. Yeah. What movies did he play it in? You got to be on do, that one. do you know who he is? 
I thought Charlie Sheen was in that. He is. She is. Charlie Sheen is in that. But you Mike, don't know who, who, who Kyle Reese is? Seen Terminator? He, he's the soldier. Oh, my that gosh. Guy. That okay. guy. So he plays a Navy SEAL in three movies. Uh-huh. You, you, I, I know you know, so I'll, I just need to prove my worth and why oh, okay. I'm, I'm in charge of, of just running <laughs> that's, this podcast. That's, that's why right. I've earned earned the right to do this. They um, are? Uh, Navy SEALs. Yes. The Abyss. Yes. And the Rock. The Rock. And what universe is The Rock set in? So that's a, that, it, that's a good question. That's a James Bond movie. That's right. That's right, because Sean Connery, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's another one for you. What country did Predator take place in? Oh, shoot. Okay, I'm going to throw another one at you. Was what it, country did Commando take place in? Was, was it Equ- Oh, it's the same made-up country. Val Verde. Yes, yes, that's And there's that's a couple right. movies that all... T- so yeah, in yes. my mind, that yeah. means that Commando and Predator... Uh-huh. And I'm trying to think what else was in Val Verde. Oh, yeah, there, there is another one. I, I remember oh, seeing... Die some. Hard 2. I think Die yes, Hard 2. Yes, that, it he's is, the general it is. from Val Verde, yeah. Okay, we're nerding out yeah, okay, way yeah, too yeah, much of this. Too much movie stuff. Point is... Yeah, also, just one last thing. Who's been killed by the Predator, the Terminator, and by the alien? Oh, um, yeah, I know who that is. Uh, shoot, he's also on Tombstone. Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton, yeah. Cause and also yeah. there's a third after they came out with Alien vs. Predator, Lance Henriksen. Okay, yeah. There you go. So, who was actually the first choice to play the Terminator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so anyway, all right, enough movie nerd stuff. <laughs> all right, different nerd topic. They want to know what your favorite camo pattern is or solid. So we'll go with what's your favorite solid color. For, for equipment, gear, uniform, whatever, okay, no, wait. tactical now, stuff. Ge- gear or, or uniform? What are we talking? Gear or uniform? Uh, I, I assume they were one and the same, but so you're saying you would do solid with, with a camo or? Well, uh, for, oh, we'll say we'll say clothing. We'll for, say for, you got to wear clothing, yeah. OD green. Okay, OD green. I, I think that's, it, as a solid, Yeah. man, that, that works the best. You get a little muddy, okay, now you got camo. Yeah, yeah it's just very well-rounded. Favorite is multi-cam. For some reason, no. Just... No, we're talking solid colors. Solid right colors. Sorry, sorry. Solid colors. Sorry. Solid. Stick, stick to the pattern, or there will be punishment. <sighs> solid follow colors. Instructions. I'm going to go with the classic black because, in my mind, that was the first introduction to like police uniforms when I was growing sure. up. Yeah, were okay. all black. Like LAPD was black. It was navy blue. LAPD was always navy okay. blue. Yeah. Correction. Yeah. Movie SWAT teams were black. Yeah. Movie SWAT teams were yeah. black. Yeah. So I don't. I don't want any of my LAPD buddies hearing this and saying, "Dude, how can you let that?" They've always been navy blue. I swear to God, I don't think they'll switch to Ranger Green or Green just because L.A. Sheriff's wears green. Yeah. And they're big tradition guys out there. So, obviously, everyone who knows me knows of my fondness for Ranger Green. I think it's one of the best solid colors out there. It's that very de- desaturated grayish green. A lot of science went into it. The reason it's called Ranger Green is because they created it for the Rangers. And it, oh, it's okay. The color it came I, out of... I, it, I it came out of some, Aragorn. Oh, you're no, talking no. the military. Yeah, the okay. military. Oh, okay. uh, Ranger Regiment. It came out of a big... <laughs> yeah, it came out of a big uh, color study they did for for solid color uniforms. Yeah. So I, I've I've always really liked that color, and I think everyone who knows knows that I'm not a fan of police officers wearing camouflage. I'm a fan of Ranger Green. I think it is a good enough color. Mm-hmm. That being said, you know my team wears Ranger Green. If I had my druthers, as it were, uh, I I love the the Brits and their and that gray they wear. I just think it's that 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 CTSFO guys and that gray. I just think it looks cool. Yeah. Plus, it reminds me of the uh, the rehab troopers from RoboCop three. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to run want to run in my great uniform, pretending I'm in RoboCop. That's right. So, um, but uh, camo. Man, I don't know. I don't know. 
there's there's a lot of good patterns out there. Multicam is is okay. Um, I like the pen cut yeah. camouflage. Mm-hmm. I really dig their their green zone as well as the Badlands. Um, really like those. Favorite. Okay, here you go. My favorite is the the Brit. Um, their uh, desert. That, that, that DPM the, desert. D, DPM desert. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that works really well. Yeah. And part of the reason why I like it is that's what my team would wear. When yeah. We weren't supposed to look like Americans. Gotcha. And we gotcha. did. Uh, that that trip we were able to do exponentially more hits than any other team in my company. Um, that so well, that's a good good pattern. That's and, good good yeah. memories then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. <clears throat> Multicam done. Nothing more needs to be said. I think it is just the standard. I know you guys are Ranger Green. Well, no, I mean we're, but we're for a camo. Yeah, I we're talking like, camo. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's like well, these golden standard. It, it's it's good, but like as an example, when I oh I almost said the name of the country, so I worked for a month south of the border in a jungle and uh, the Pencott green zone that I wore, mm-hmm. I disappeared in the jungle where you could still pick up the guys with multicam. So so again the thing and uh, and again I've had. The, the great fortune to actually sit down with Caleb Cry. Yeah. Because of, you know, we, we work with them on some things. Before you, you, yeah. So, but that was specific. The multicam. Yes. You can use that anywhere. Right. And now, if I took that same green zone and went to Afghanistan, oh, I'm going to stand out because yeah. it, it's way too bright. But yeah, so very specific. But as a well rounded, yeah. And, and, so and that was Caleb's ahead. point. So again, the, the, the guy's a genius. Like, like, if people think he's just like a gear man, the guy is a genius. Like, the stuff he's come up with and the things, the thought he's put into things. Mm-hmm. If you look at their early designs, like, he came up with multicam on his own, more or less. And that you can see some of the early designs for the combat shirts, the combat He really knew what he was doing. And his yeah. whole goal was to create a one uniform, one color system. That The idea is that, like, yes, obviously, multicam is not going to work perfect here. But it's going to work well everywhere to eliminate that need to have this uniform, that uniform. And, yeah. and so I really, yeah. I don't just appreciate the thought that went into it and the, and the energy, but it's also an effective pattern everywhere. But like we talk, uh, so if we're talking just purely like effectiveness yeah i'm multicam all the way but uh i do have a soft spot in my heart for uh, the swiss alpenflage oh get uh, out of here well no no, no. let me let me finish, let me finish. there's so, so much red in that That's well, well so because the one time i i, I had I, I like i got this box that weighed as much as a person i had my, my swiss like the alpenflage bib and, and the little jacket and everything and uh i'd be a liar if i didn't say i had a jacket too. yeah exactly that little short jacket <laughs> yeah. yeah with like the backpack that went on to it with the rocket sleeves That's right. <laughs> so i can care for my anti-tank gun as a 12 year old <laughs> But uh, we were at Boy Scout camp, and it was the fall, and we're playing manhunt, and we're doing like some daytime manhunt, which uh-huh. you know, manhunt slash capture the flag is is ideally played at night. But we were doing capture the flag during the day because we were just hardcore like that. And a few of us had bought that stuff, and in this area of the country, the you know the the northeast mid Atlantic, that time of year we were straight up invisible, like you you could not see us, and mm-hmm. it's that's we talk about specific versus general general multicam but when you're talking specific sometimes yeah. there are patterns that just just work and i think the reason that european countries get away with that is because they're not an expeditionary force they're not worried about deploying guys to yeah. overseas oh, yeah i think a lot of people don't know when they see multicam and that spelled out onto the yeah. actual that's camp. real multicam it's a, a real multicam with a kick pack to cry like, well it's not I, I would call it a royalty yeah, a royalty, yeah a royalty. every multicam yeah it's true multicam you know he gets a royalty fee which is pretty crazy to think about and how much yeah. There is out there. Well, what's even crazier is he offered to sell it 
to the army at a song and they turned him down and went with Scorpion, which was like a previous incarnation that technically they had rights to because of the work he was doing at the time. So it, it yeah, it's um, honorable mentions for cool camera patterns. I'd say Desert Night Vision. That, okay. Totally ineffective, just looks cool. When I was a kid watching the Gulf War on the TV, I'm like, God, that looks cool. God, it looks, and it also looks like the German night fighter mm-hmm. pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of Germans and European countries not being expeditionary and cry, uh, again, I've had the good fortune to be to cry several times, and the pattern room, like where they just had the random one-offs and things, uh, a set of combats in the in the German, I think they call it Tropentarn, like the, it's their desert reflectarn. Yeah, yeah. It was just, at the time, again, this is pre-everything being on the internet, so being able to be up there and see, like, well, that's cool, or some other patterns, which I won't mention, because I can guess who they were made for. Yeah, yeah. Like in other countries. Well, the yeah. last, the last long trip that I took. Yeah. Uh, of course, we ate, we had cries, we had cry multicam, yeah. and you know that that's okay. Some of the uh, other uh, army kids who didn't have those, they were a little jealous. You know, yeah, whatever. Right, yeah. I mean, uh, it is what it is. Well, then we got ripped in in place. So that's the next unit coming yeah. in to to take our place. We do left seat, right seat, ride with them and show them everything. Right. And then, yeah. So the guys ripping into us were Marsoc. And they come walking in, strutting in, I should say, yeah. with cry woodland camo. And I have rarely been so jealous in my life. Yeah. Yeah. There's something about it. Like, uh, I have, again, eh, I can say this, uh, myself and my, my best friend on the team, we were actually the first ones outside of LAPD to have blue cries. Oh, yeah. Because cry was cool enough to hook us up with them when they were only exclusively sold to LAPD. But we were just in a bad way. We had a reason we needed blue at the time yeah and he he took care of us and uh i think there's something so cool about uniforms like woodland or um navy blue and that modern cut yeah because it's yeah. like that blending of like the classic like yeah. a, a, well, my, my whole life i mean now yeah, going yeah, to surface right, stores yeah. i was wearing it's the camo yeah. pants to, to yeah school cutting yeah. them off for shorts yeah, yeah i lived in those things yeah and to see that and and, and cry man it's just like that cool blending like the classic with yeah. the modern it's the same thing for me with navy blue and police yeah. like swat teams always wear navy blue or and it's just like well that's 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 pretty neat yeah you know? yeah so, right. okay, enough yeah. nerding out of camo. Uh, someone wants to know, what's a good knife for duty use? Um, what are, what do they mean by duty? I, 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 I uh, they need like a, like a, like a, like a duty knife, like for, like cutting a baby Ruth or. or <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Or, uh, or like a duty, duty knife. I assume they mean duty knife. Uh, well, interesting enough, we have three wide experience. We have a special forces soldier. We have a, a, uh patrol officer and, and, and a full-time SWAT guy here. So I think everybody kind of has similar, but maybe, maybe different. I mean, uh, do you want to go with what you use or what you have found useful? Right. What I want to preference this with, I'm not a knife guy. However, what I've found works for me in my application for patrol level use in the environment where we both work in, uh, sometimes we have to wear gloves because of the cold. Yeah. So knowing that I use a foldable, button assisted opening yeah. knife that has a large button that can open with gloves on okay so like a thumb assisted opener yeah yeah uh and what are you carrying right now like as far as a knife on on duty um it is a let me check real quick to get the exact model it's a gerber knife tanto g10 serrated auto folding so there you go okay and it's linked in one of my videos on youtube if you guys check it out but 
it has like skateboard grip tape on the frame so it's super grippy and has a large assisted button with a safety nothing fancy um but talking with you flynn yeah talking about picking and breaching with a knife to doors yep something you opened my eyes to was any pointed blade or a tip of a knife can easily be snapped off when trying to gain access to a door and this knife is does have a pointed tip blade mm -hmm. so talking with flynn is it is it a spear point or a tonto it says a tonto okay that so yes that's a bit bit i'm not a knife guy either but i understand it's a bit more resistant i think to yes that yeah. than the than the spear point yeah. but talking with you you recommended i get a i think it's a gerber kind of like a rescue knife that has a yeah it's the uh, nine i'm looking it up right now it's a 916 triage and I did get like the rescue color, so I didn't yeah. get a black. So it comes in like this, like bright, almost orange. Yep, I, I, that's what I carry mine too. Is is an orange blade because it it is a rescue. It's knife. not assist. It's not. I don't know the right word. I'm not knife. It's not auto folding. So it's no, but it's a, yeah. It's got a liner lock. A little bit of a yeah. assist. Yeah, but that that's what I carry. Is, is that it's got a uh, it's got a little window breaker for an emergency. Yep. Not ideal. It's got the blunt tip. So you know if you're cutting something, you're gonna stick somebody plus. I've used a knife way more for prying stuff, unscrewing things, things like that than anything else. It's half serrated, so if you need to saw through something, it's good. And it's got the um, the in the back, it's got the uh, the, re the little rescue hook, the little to like yeah, zip stuff open, uh, cut stuff open real seat quick. Seatbelt cutter, yeah, seatbelt cutter. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, I I've actually used the seatbelt cutter to to uh, extract unwilling people from you know mm -hmm. vehicles. I've used that. Uh, seatbelt cutter to cut people's seatbelts off out of vehicle accidents and i've also used the um it to cut open people's clothing to render medical aid yeah. to, to, to gunshot victims so it's definitely i i i came to to the team and i saw guys with these ridiculous bfks on their on their thigh holsters on whatever and you start thinking like what is a police officer going to use some giant fixed blade knife for like the joke we used to start making was hey john wayne what are you going to take out a sentry on the way up there mm -hmm. so in my opinion, um, I like a folding knife. That being said, I do think for patrol officers who are rolling solo, I think some sort of weapon retention blade is good, a little push dag or something like that if they mm -hmm. have to, if you train with it mm -hmm. for weapon retention. Again, as with all these things, you have to train. You can't just get up a piece of equipment and then and then go. So for me, yeah, a folder. Okay. Um, for me, it's – there isn't one knife. Yeah. Okay. So um, when I'm – on duty yeah and i'm fully kitted up doing my thing uh, i'll probably have a minimum of two maybe three knives on me yeah and, and one um i'll just be generic and say the yarborough so, yeah right or, or i've used some similar things maybe a little bit smaller yeah so a good um full tang blade um and that's that's there in case you know i situation would require me to, to use that thing sure and i haven't mm -hmm. but i know guys who have yeah who um some some good friends of mine you know things went that far yeah um so that's there for that specific pur purpose and then the second one would be i've got a, a gerber or a leatherman or some kind of multi-tool with me yeah um, at all times and then usually something small i mean like like i'm holding now a light fighter something like that or something yeah. similar that's small yeah and and what is this for it's <laughs> to open up mres this is the cut 550 yeah. cord and yeah. that's that's really yeah what i've from my experience yep. now and 19 plus years in the military i'm using some small fixed blade to do all that utility yeah. work and in a pinch use it for some sort of defense yes if you have to. yes if yeah. i have to yeah yeah okay uh again 
I think that's that's it for the knife stuff. Yeah. I think knives are even more. Uh, what's the word? It can be any more esoteric subject than guns. Yeah. And I think yeah. guns, knives, whatever. The ultimate thing is find something that works. Yeah. Perhaps absolutely. Use it. So, um, got the last question here. Unless I got anything else on Instagram. Um, best worst piece of equipment you've ever purchased. Oh. We can't go by issued because I've had some great stuff yeah. issued, I've some bad stuff issued, but nothing so that I can what blame. Purchased. What you purchased. So you have to you have to take ownership and blame yourself. Oh man, you know what? I- I'm going to pause this to, to give us a second to yeah. think. Yeah. Okay. Well, for those of you listening, you obviously couldn't tell, but we had that thing paused for about a good ten minutes as we we're trying to to come yeah. up with the right answers here. Yeah. Uh, well, let me rephrase it. The honest answers. Yeah. Admit, admitting to our mistakes. Yes. yes. The, the reason we're so harsh on some of this stuff, like, hey, don't do that, is because we've yeah. we've made those mistakes, and we want you to save you the trouble. That's right. So who wants to start? I'll go first. There you go, yeah. I'll, I'll. So the worst piece of equipment I've ever purchased is the Blackhawk Serpa holster. Well, you know, in fairness, a lot of guys had Serpa holsters. Duty holster. Duty holster. So Ooh, let, wow, me, let me wow. just paint the picture yeah. for a second because there, there needs to be exp- explanation here. Uh-huh. So when you're a part-time officer, you have to buy all your own equipment, mm-hmm. which means you go to the local police store, you look for the, hol- the duty holster that fits your selected clock of choice, and that's on the wall, and that's what I got. For those, hopefully everyone listening to this knows not to purchase Serpa holsters, but also the, <laughs> I guess the stigma with them is that you have to, there's a button you have to depress with your trigger finger to essentially unlock the yeah. pistol from the holster, which is just, everyone can see, there's multiple videos online by now Yeah, of guys just. Now, I did have a Serpa holster that I really liked and used, and I would still use it today. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was deployed, and individually, we'd run a 1911 when I was working with with guys, but when we'd go on missions, not everyone liked a 1911, which is fine, so we would run M9s, and that's the right answer. Everyone's standard, Mm -hmm. standard pistol. So I had my Safari Land holster, great holster, and that's why I'd run the thing, but I uh-huh. would uh, gun. Yeah. So what I did is I was also issued a Serpa holster, the garbage that it was, but I took it and I mounted it to the side of my 50 cal machine gun. Mm-hmm. So when I was in the turn, I would put my Beretta in there. So then I got the 50 cal to destroy anything. And if anyone were to get close, I yeah. could immediately yep. get that Beretta, you know, take care of them put it right back in and, and go to work with my 50 cal so for that case it worked very well but uh no i never put it on my body and they never did that i've gone to ranges where they're banned yeah, yeah. oh yeah. yeah literally yeah. banned by yes. fletzy bans them yeah or, or did ban them yeah it's um but again like you just talked about that specific instance you mentioned there's a lot of things that are a niche solution yeah ac- and, absolutely and especially when they're i hate to be that guy but when they're free when, when, <laughs> when your right. employer's kicking out and like, hey, I'm literally just sticking this thing on the side of the 50 cal so I can, you know, yeah. do that. That 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 makes sense. Um, so interestingly enough, I'm actually jumping on your story with one of my worst purchases because it was when I thought I was too smart, you know, because when I went to plain clothes, the issued plain clothes holster was the Serpa. 
And me, I know, I'm a gun guy. I know Serpas are junk. I'm not going to use that thing. What do I get instead? I get myself a CompTAC CTAC, because that's the darling of all the internet. A good holster. Uh-huh. Great holster okay. for IDPA. It has no oh, retention. Yes. Yep, I'm running yep. around the projects, a 160-pound kid <laughs> with uh, I, I a, a zero no retention. retention. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I am lucky no one took that gun away from me. I am right. very lucky. Yep. Um, and, and again, if you don't know me well enough, I yeah. probably haven't verbalized it enough here on this podcast, but you'll hear me rant about it in classes. Yeah. One of my biggest pet, pet peeves are guys who peddle their yeah. competition shooting as defensive, offensive combat shooting. They're two completely different animals. There are things you want to do in a competition, kit you want to have in a competition, yep. Yep. that yes, you're shaving those shaving those seconds, you're shooting balloons faster than the next guy, great, get it. But that stuff, a lot of that stuff has no place in defensive, and offensive And again, hey, shooting. if you want to play around in the range and have a zero retention codex holster, knock yourself out, yeah. you know, they're, they're fine. They're great for concealed carry, but for open carry, yeah. for yeah. duty carry, again, I was running around, cool little plainclothesman like that, and uh, I got lucky. Funnily enough, my, my dislike of the Safari, I actually ended up going back to the, um, <clears throat> I didn't carry a Serpa, but I did carry a Safariland duty holster. Mm-hmm. So correct eventually. me if I'm wrong, the yeah. first like generation Safariland duty holsters weren't actively retention. It was just the hood, correct? Because the gun could, well, there was no like So yes and no, they had, that, they had that suede in there Yes, that would keep it. So we didn't actually have that. We had this uh, this this front brake holster and I eventually ended up like stopping my like dreams of being like a cool guy in a t-shirt with a badge around my neck and more like an external vest carrier with police patches front and back mm-hmm. a, a badge patch um, which now what's funny is they're very common now the little badge patches but yes. at the time I had to find an old school BDU blouse that a buddy of mine gave me who had been in one of our tack units and I had to use a seam ripper to get the, the, the sewn-on badge off, and then have my mother sew Velcro on the back for me to put on my... Again, my mom helped me out again with my kit yep. and, and put that on my uh, on, on my, my my external vest carrier so I could have a badge and stuff. But the, the Farline holsters you're talking about had uh, had suede, too. Right. And actually, one of one of my good friends, or a guy who became good friends, who was a sergeant, he used to teach a block of instruction about the suede holster, the 6004, and he would use the instruction, the, uh, the clip, from a gladiator the frost sometimes it makes the blade stick mm. when the suede holster would get wet they would stick and so you'd have like a hang up and that's why you see a lot of guys also the weird angles that it used we're getting down a rabbit hole here that's why you see guys running the regular drop holster with the thigh strap was for that specific holster it would kick off your belt and get caught and you couldn't get it out so that's what the strap was to, to tie that down but yeah so eventually i adopted what guys in my plainclothes unit called the Blackwater look where I had like an external vest carrier that said police. I had a real gun belt on with a real retention duty holster because I, uh, I realized how dumb that was to be running around with, with a zero retention holster. Yeah. And, uh, but I actually do have a surplus story for you from that same, that same squad. Um, pull over car. Uh, we start getting a weird vibe from the passengers so we're, we're, we're going to pull them out and search them but they start acting. So like, all right, let's get a couple more guys here. Dude, dude, bails out of the car uh and i remember him turning to look towards back at me and he's he's got a high point and again gun guy so i know it's a high point and he's got usps postal packing tape holding the magazine in like i remember distinctly seeing that is he starting to turn towards me with the gun i'm drawing my gun to point at him and and he thinks better of it and, and runs off and um 
So we're, we're chasing through the alleyways and stuff, and it's it's he ends up running out of his shoes, and poor guy's running over broken bottles trying to get away <laughs> from us. So he he trips and falls and throws his guns. You know, we're on him to get him into custody, and, and my partner who had been with me catches up with me, and he's holding another gun, but he's holding it by like the slide. It's weird. I'm like, what? Like, what? This guy threw another gun that I didn't see. Did he get off the pat? The other guy? What, what's going on? It's his duty gun in the Serpa holster, but the belt mount is still on his belt. The, the, those little tiny yeah, screws yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. had worked its way off and fallen off during a foot chase with a guy <laughs> with an armed suspect. And and I was like, hey, man, you need to get one of these Safari Land holsters. Oh, whatever. So eventually we ended up wrestling around in the, in the office, and I broke the holster off his belt, and he couldn't fix it, so he had to go by. But, but yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what good partners yeah, are for. Right? right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that was, I think the Serpa holster suffers from being a, a, a not great design but being poorly executed as well. Yeah. It, it's cheap injection molded plastic. Yes. It was yeah. not, and that's not to knock it. It's a fine range holster, but for serious use, I just, yeah. it's got some things wrong with it. So, yeah. So, so yours was a serpent holster. What's the best thing you ever got? For my application, the best thing I ever purchased for my situation and my job, without a doubt, was my DNO Defense Mark 18. Okay. And the reason why it's an SPR, it could have been in any SPR, but yeah. There's obviously coolness faster if you get yeah. Mark 18. Yeah. I'm not going to deny that. The reason why is because when you ride around a patrol car all day, having a 16-inch rifle in a black rack next to you trying to pull that out of a car yeah. is yeah. almost – you're going to start fighting the rifle as mm-hmm. you get out of the car. With a short barrel, especially closer to 10 inches, it's made my life so much easier. Yeah. And by far, just peace of mind knowing that I can get that rifle in and out of that car easier – game changer yeah never going back for my intended use yeah and that's not to say because i have a short barrel you need to go out and buy a short barrel that's not applicable in any situation you know yeah like showing seeing what someone is running on instagram and immediately copying that does you essentially no good because different you know different yeah, yeah so again because you you have a suppressor on your, your yeah, I do. SBR as so well. now again. i'm at 16 and, and and again that suppressor is a great tool but uh I have one of on my work rifle. They're heavy. Yep. They're heavy. They're annoying. They're hot. I've, I've burned a pair of cry pants, you know, issued cry pants before. I think we all have. It's yeah. right on your right thigh, yeah. <laughs> right yeah. above the knee pad. But, but at the same time, I'm willing to put up with that because of the advantages I get. That being said, if I was doing, let's say, not what I do for a living, if I was, let's say, patrolling out in the woods, mm-hmm. I, I'd probably be carrying like a 14.5 or a 16-inch gun without a suppressor just because that, that handles and it's a different mission. Yeah. So... Well, that's one of the things we have. We have Mark 18 barrels. Yeah. And then we have uh, uh, 14 and a half yeah. inch barrels with the new uh, Geisley yeah, the, rails the, the, on. The Ergies, yeah. 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 So depending on what we're doing, we can, you know. Yeah. Being flexible. Other, yeah. One other confession I want to make. If you were at the vehicle dynamics class with me, you noticed that my my Mark 18 did, did go down. And that's due to the fact that I, after talking with Flynn, had a long talking to, and we worked this out to where I started chasing perfection with my gas system and trying to perfectly tune my gun to run just the most absolute perfect way I could instead of chasing reliability. So I had a surefire bolt carrier with their optimized um, spring and buffer. And somehow we haven't quite determined where, where it's going wrong yet, but something with the gas system with that weight and buffer, it's no longer working. It was before that, you know, five, 6,000 rounds I have on it ran flawlessly but again started chasing perfection rather than reliability 
And there's nothing wrong with the Surefire OBC or, or, or the, the buffer system. The issue becomes like uh, you start introducing more and more variables into a gun, and it's, it's hard and hard to pin down what the issue is. And if you just stick with a mostly stock gun, you're eliminating the variables, or at least you know where it's going to fail. Right. So I'm sure once you figure get that thing ironed out, it'll be a right. smooth running gun. But Just something I wanted to mention because I noticed a lot of guys on the internet started tuning and chasing perfection, yeah. just like I did. It's addicting because it's like, oh, it man. Is. Especially when all you can do is go online and order it and right. stick it in your gun. But, yeah. yeah. But, again, you found that out, that problem through what? Through training. training. And that's the thing is the best thing to do is just go out and train. Right. Um, any other really bad pieces of kit or really good pieces of kit? Nothing. Just the surf no, holsters no, no. Like burn in my mind. It's gotcha. like the worst thing I could ever have purchased. Now, now, you're a graduate of Darcy, right? I am. Which I'm very jealous of. I've not yet had the honor, the pleasure of going down there. But what's the weather like down there? It's either really cold yep. or really hot. And I went on both, so I had an experience in the cold. I heard it also gets very wet, too. Yes. Did, did you have any equipment that helped you out there? Arcterics. Was it? Would you say that was worth it? 100% worth every penny just from the rain shedding alone. Yeah. Just absolutely. I was, let me, I'll say this. I was dry. I can't yeah. speak for everyone else. I was dry. Yeah. And that definitely saved the day. And even in the cold weather, like the leaf stuff for the yeah. cold, uh, the base layers kept me warm, especially when we're out there for hours at a time. You know what I mean? So, so quality inclement weather clothing made a difference for you. Absolutely. I have actually have a, youtube video that you kind of helped me uh run through and kind of get my facts straight uh that explains cold weather and warm weather gear sure rain gear yeah just for the kind of it didn't go into quite detail Mm -hmm. but it gives you a baseline of what kind of some base layers are yeah to help you because we we both work in a climate where it's all four seasons yes absolutely jared yes your best and worst wow I don't know how to answer the question uh, because I've made so many mistakes. I know. And bought so many terrible things. I'm, I'm trying to think what's the worst, what is the worst, and I can't pin down what was the worst. Um, but I'll say what my most embarrassed. Oh, yeah. So maybe not the worst, but definitely my most embarrassed. And this was uh, bef- right before I was married. Well, actually before I met Abby. So I was still single and making some, at the time, I thought was okay money. And just stupid because, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. just buying stupid stuff. And somebody started talking about the Bussy Battle Mistress. Okay. And uh, so I ended up purchasing one. And this thing is like the most redonkulous yeah. knife. Uh, it's, I don't even know. I can't remember now. I still have it somewhere. Sure. You know, like yeah. in, a, in a box or somewhere, you know, in the attic or something. But it's, I don't know. 14 inches wow no no not quite 14 i guess maybe more like 12 or or, i don't know it's stupid super long some like mythical magical alloyed metal uh super strong what's that mythril yeah pretty much i want to go more towards a mythril yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. definitely not vibranium vibranium though but yeah mythril yeah and yeah it was just stupid i I don't want to have to pay royalties to marvel uh, <laughs> yeah, right. for saying that yeah uh i, I want to say 
I paid close to five hundred dollars for this stupid oh, thing, man. and it was one of those like, "This is the most awesome knife in the world. Yeah, right, Take my right. money." And then I got it in my hand. I'm like, oh, "I'm so stupid." Yeah, it, it all that, lasted all of like. That, two I think that's seconds. the worst part. It's not like you get something like the syrup or and then you try it and uh-huh. you use, it and you're like, "All right, I see the shortcomings." It's that one where you get it, and you're like. Uh, I shouldn't have done this. Yeah. This was dumb. This was dumb. <laughs> yeah. Because like that, that was a learning experience. Right. <laughs> I had a similar thing with a bad piece of gear. I was like, I had in my mind, like, look, I need a knife. I need some sort of pry tool, bashing, breaking windows. And I saw the uh, the Becker Tack tool. Okay. Becker Tack tool, full tang blade. I actually pulled the specs up so I can share just uh, just how embarrassed I am about this. So it's uh, it's got a blade length of seven inches, but it's 12.5 inches overall. It's got a chisel ground wire cutter. It's squared off, and it weighs a pound and a half. (laughs) And I had it in my head that this was a good thing to put on my gear. And, uh, yeah, I put it on my gun belt for one one operation, and as I'm putting it on, I'm thinking, this was stupid. (laughs) This was dumb, but I'm committed. I'm going to do it. And then I quietly went back and shamefully took it off and later sold it on eBay, hoping to recoup some, some honor. And some shit, and some money, yeah, some dignity. <laughs> yeah. So that that was definitely uh. So you, oh, my, I I can see this thing from across oh, the yeah. room. You you, you, like, you ins- good lord. Yes, yeah. you, you inspired me. So yeah. I looked it up. Okay, I, maybe I was exaggerating. Yeah. It says it's ten and a half inch blade of Infi steel. Who knows what that is? <laughs> uh, but it's Infi oh, steel. Yeah. yeah. And uh, where's the weight? Where's the weight? Oh, it doesn't say the weight. But um, there's this thing i brought up they're currently sold out oh who knows but the price 599 dollars now i didn't pay that much yeah but i know it was around the 500 mark yeah i paid like i, I paid like 170 <laughs> from from la police gear <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah uh it's kind of, nice. hey 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 it used to be the place to go yes, before oh. i knew any better you know and before the options were available yeah at least it wasn't galls <laughs> So that that was probably you know that's yeah. I'm most embarrassed about that one. Um, best, you know, I think the best piece of kit I really didn't. Well, I bought, but then I modified. Yeah, and that was before I went to uh, selection. We took a wooby, so a, a poncho sure. liner. My wife and I did, and we took the border off, and we opened it up, and then we put one of those like. Walmart 97 cent space blankets. Ah, yeah. Folded it out. Yeah. Then we put the border back in and then we secured it as best we could. But then uh, I had my wife run it through her sewing machine um, without any thread. So mm-hmm. she punched hundreds of holes into that space right. blanket. Yeah. So then super light. Yeah. I could wrap up and with all you know, the, the space blankets blocking all that heat back to me. But with the hundreds of holes, it's allowing it to breathe. So yeah. I wasn't sweating. Yeah. And I That's use good. that thing for selection, SUT. You know, it was really, yeah. really great piece right. of kit. Until, um, until it, it finally stank so much that uh, we, we washed it, and that yeah. was a mistake because in the spin cycle, uh, the, the, yeah. the, the space blanket yeah. all got sucked down into uh-huh. one little corner. Um, but until then, yeah, that that was a really good piece of kit. I mean, super lightweight, super cheap. You know, I think you buy brand new Wobies for like what thirty bucks, forty yeah. bucks. A ninety-seven cent uh, space blanket, and that thing, yeah, it worked really well. Yeah. Um, so I've hit two of my worst. That, that and again, one of them, the, the Comtac holster, wasn't a bad piece of gear. It was just the wrong piece of gear for the yeah. job. Yeah. 
uh, the Becker was just straight up fantasy. I bashing and wind. I like, why, why did I do this? Now, I had a Becker too, but yeah, there's a Becker well, patrol yeah. pack. Right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Now this this is like a K bar offshoot. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm gonna hit a couple. One, as a young patrolman, again rechargeables, and I you know that my prejudice against rechargeables. But I, you have converted. I, I have supplemented to my primaries to be to be mod lights on my pistol, my rifle, and and my handheld. However, back in you know, you're when creating I, a monster. I hope you hope you realize I, that. I, I'm encouraging this I'm guy. I'm gonna I'm gonna beat him later. <laughs> That's right. Got to got to break his spirits. You know, it's it's important. Well, it's an important part of the. I, I, the mentoring I, I saw the, the pillowcase with the bars of soap in, in the other room. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that that that's level one. We might have to escalate a little bit on the. Uh, yeah, so uh, I've got my. We had the 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 the, the, the stream like, and again, streamlights are good. They're fine. But I I, yeah. I worked midnight shift, and we used our flashlights a lot. And this is the era before weapon lights were authorized for us. Um, I don't think the Sheriff Fox three hundred existed at this time. Um. So the rechargeable, the issue is like on those crummy recharges we had back then is like, wait, once you're dead, you're dead. You know, sticking back in the charge and hope it recharges. So we're talking eight hours of darkness. Um, <laughs> so I was like, dude, I need to get myself a decent flashlight. And of course, all the old timers carried uh, mag lights, these ridiculous giant mag lights, which I don't think they were carrying for the illumination properties. Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely not. But uh, I, I'm being the, the cool, slick new guy that I am. And uh, I had a surefire light. Uh, for camping i had a surefire e- executive e2e when i was when i was a, a, in high school as a, as a um, backpacker doing a lot of that so i was like i gotta get one of these surefire lights and they just come out with a 6p led and so i i started carrying a 6p led and i had more light in that little handheld light than most guys had in these ridiculous giant yeah. mag lights they had and that light was good it was lightweight if it died i could just dump the batteries and, and and throw new ones in and uh it definitely served me well there's a couple incidents that i can recall where having that light definitely made a difference um using the uh what, what is this that the harry's and the rogers yeah, or whatever yeah, whatever yeah. shooting technique we're being taught that year i'm not sure if i could have actually hit the guy who i was aiming my flashlight at marksmanship wise but but i definitely felt very confident i could see what I was looking at. So, so a good flashlight. I've always, you know, whether it's outdoor stuff or, or, or police stuff, I've always appreciated a good flashlight. So that's, that's definitely one of mine. Um, the other one I'd say just on, on the, on the tax side of the house was, uh, we had Mitch, Mitch helmets when I got to my team mm. and I, again, I was like, man, I gotta do something. This kind of, I got myself a, a set of upgraded pads from team Wendy and I got an ops core chin strap and that, that made a big difference. It, it was it was a because the Mitch. I think the Mitch gets a bad rap. I think it's a great helmet, and it just had needed a couple little for, for what it is. For yeah. what it is, yeah, yeah, yeah for what it's it is, really yeah. good helmet. Um, and especially now you can get some. I know are, there's yeah. some really high high end stuff there. So that's what I got, and it really made a big difference. Just and again, uh, there's all kinds of cool guy stuff, but ultimately this was some heavy thing I had to wear on my head for hours and hours on end every day. That I was like, this this makes a difference in my day to day. Um. On that, there was something I did. It wasn't so much what I got. It was what I switched doing. So like I said, I've always been a big backpacker. loved being outside. So I was always a big hiking boot guy. Like I wore hiking boots everywhere. Um, college, everything was my thing. Um, like a plaid a plaid shirt, 
jeans or hiking pants. So again, I was I was like the in, I looked like an Instagram operator <laughs> in the early 2000s because I was like, well, I'm just gonna wear what I wear backpacking. Yeah, exactly. I had it my time. So, but I became a police officer. And I fell in the trap. I'm like, well, I need some sort of like army boot, like you know. So um, I got my pistol pair of side zip baits. Oh, that is that is the the starter boot for every police officer. Exactly right. The side yeah. zip that. It's just worthless. Like also, it always also, because you can take your boots off on midnight shift. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Lean back for a little while. <laughs> but um, not that I ever did that. No one ever did. Um, but that, and later on, I'm like, dude, like I got to be really high speed. I'm going to I'm going to the team. What brand of boots do I need? Five eleven boots. Five eleven <laughs> side zips. Like the second day I had them, I zipped them up, and the zipper broke off in my hand, like little zipper tab. So okay. Yeah. confession yeah, yeah. I, I i had some too yeah and the zipper busted yep. so i ended up uh, using what kind of chinese pot metal i, I make these zippers out of i, I ended up using a, a, a paper clip yeah that i wired through there uh, and kind of wrapped uh, yeah and that's yeah. what i used for yeah. like a year or two as i wore those boots out so uh, and again i'm wearing and again i should also mention i have flat feet so i have foot so i should really be much more conscious of what kind of boots but i sometimes get weird ideas stuck in my head are we doing all this? And we're doing all this. I'm like, God, I need to get a pair, a pair of boots. And I'm like, well, some of the old guys have have the Danners, you know, the big Danner Acadias. Mm-hmm. Some of the more tactical, tactical older guys, like like my partner, he had the the um he had the GSG nine assault boots. Okay. Um, and I'm like, man, I gotta get. This. So we end up working with this army unit, um, and we're down training with them. And I'm looking at these guys. I'm like, these guys all look like an REI puked on them. They're all wearing like hiking boots, and all of a sudden it hits me. I'm like, what am I doing messing around with all these stupid? <laughs> I'm just gonna get a pair of hiking boots. So I go home. And my favorite boots were the, these Solomon uh-huh. lace-up Solomons, and they're like this grayish black. And I'm looking. I'm like, dude, I got this. Go to the the, the, the fabric, uh, the the sewing supply store. Get a whole bunch of just writ dye, like bottles and bottles. Fill up a Home Depot Homer bucket with boiling water. I'm dumping bottle because I'm like, these things are gonna be jet black. And they worked, and and I got away with it for a while. And actually, another guy on my team, Chris, Chris's favorite guy on my team, he did the same thing. Only he did his method, which is a bit cruder. Took spray paint, you know. Yeah. But uh, so he and I are running around in, in black Salomons before Salomon forces were even a thing, <laughs> and we're getting all kinds of grief from the old heads. Like you can't polish those boots. So that again, not super high speed, but but just going to a good pair of boots. Yeah. Made made a world of difference difference for me for comfort. So. So, yeah. Okay, that's it. We, we've answered all of them. All right. Uh, cool. I mean, for now, anyway. <laughs> yeah, for now. For now. Well, uh, if we didn't get to your question, if you submit it after we're, we're, we're done with the podcast, uh, we'll, we'll get to it next time. Yeah. Any uh, any closing thoughts? I just want to say thanks to Jared, and it was awesome talking with you guys, especially for Flink coming out. Yeah. I had an awesome time at the two-day Beagle Dynamics class, learned a lot with a lot of good people. And um, please, uh, if you want to follow me on Instagram or YouTube, it's Officer29 spelled out. And uh, like I said in my previous podcast, Resilience, my documentary on my good friend, is hopefully coming out um, soon. (laughs) It's a lot of work to catch up on. We're trying to just polish it off. But yet again, thanks for having me on. Yeah, Uh, always a pleasure. I've watched a little bit of that documentary that you've sent to me. It's it's really... I actually had to hit pause a couple times because it was... was difficult to watch so so it's something everyone should watch yeah it's just one of those things where once you release i can't bring it back so i want yeah. to make sure it's 100 yes. percent good to go yes um it was great being here definitely the highlight of my weekend being up here being able to train with the the, the customer we had up here this weekend the, yeah. the military customer and uh 
Yeah, speaking of social media, uh, I am back on social media. So uh, S-E-K underscore LTAC is my uh, my Instagram page if you want to just see lots of pictures of equipment. That's right. Cool. Yeah, thank you, guys. I know you've been pretty busy, and it's been hard to get you back up here. Yeah, very It's always, busy. always good when you're up here. And uh, everyone out there, thank you. Thank you for listening. Um, keep sending us questions, and uh, we'll we'll do our best to answer them. Really appreciate you guys. Really appreciate all the support. Uh, I I see the numbers of how many people are listening to us, and it's it's almost overwhelming how many people yeah. now are, are tuning into this podcast. It, it, it's either that or it's one person downloading the same episode <laughs> time after time after time. I, I don't know that that's it's quite quite a lot of episodes. Yeah, that's true. No, it's it's definitely very popular. I get a lot of good feedback from from the people that I know who listen yeah. to it. Cool. Well, thank you, and we'll talk to you again next time. State of the art, bang bang. <laughs>